And now, introducing the man who was greatly motivated by the performance of Phil Mickelson winning a major at such an advanced age, insisting, quote, this is proof that even if you have a near-crippling gambling addiction, you can still live a glorious life so long as you are widely considered one of the most naturally gifted players ever, unquote. In attempts to create good fortune and entice the football gods to fulfill his wishes, he's begun using holistic techniques and what he called spells to obtain from Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop blog to, quote, ensure both that Julio Jones is traded to Baltimore and get a rain on these bags under my eyes, unquote. He is Glenn Clark. Good morning from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio of Press Box. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn Clark. He's Kyle Ottenheimer. We're here with much to do on a Monday edition of GCR from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Chesapeake Employers Insurance is your workers' compensation insurance specialist. Um, busy weekend in the world of sports, and we'll try to cover as much of it as we possibly can throughout the course of the morning. Uh, I look, I, I, I can't bamboozle you. I can't sit here and pretend like I think that Phil Mickelson winning the PGA Championship is the story that golf people think that is. And and it's not to say that in in the context of golf, it's a it's a sure massive story. A little bit because of his age, far more because he's famous, and mm-hmm. and that's the part that. Like, Probably second most well-known player in the world. Yeah, almost certainly. Almost certainly. He's a, he's a famous individual, and so when a famous person does something in a you know quote-unquote niche sport, it's more relevant. Mm-hmm. I, I don't try to pretend to care that, that or the, try to pretend to think that anyone would care if Marin Cilich won the U.S. Open in tennis. I know I, 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 I'm a fan of a niche sport. For people to care, it's got to be... Serena Williams going up against Naomi Osaka at the Australian Open. It's got to be something curious, you know? significant like that. Yeah, not quite. Not not quite. In the tennis world, maybe. But like, I get it. In in it, it was if you're inclined to watch golf, it's a little bit more interesting that Phil Mickelson at the age of 50 won the golf tournament. Does it suddenly make a, a whole group of new people uh, golf fans certainly not no not in any world it brings no new interest to the sport of golf but if if you're inclined if you're a significant to even casual golf fan it was a bit more interesting than for a number of reasons insert Bec- like whoever greenland or green whatever that guy who was in third steepman whatever Whoever that guy was, Steerman. Keep a going, Streelman. That's the same, the guy, same yeah, thing. Yeah, not quite. Yeah, but Greenwood. Like, yeah, all Greenwood. Yeah. The hell was that? He's probably out there somewhere. Uh, you think? There's probably a guy. There's. I'm not even. What, Regardless, Lee Greenwood. Uh, God bless the USA. And Ricky's Oyster House, yeah, of course. Yeah, he did. A, he had a, well for a little while. He had a decent weekend. Well, better than yours. Um, no, I had a great weekend. Um, look, I, and I'm not trying to. Uh, somebody's saying that, like, oh, of course you're stepping up. I'm not poo-pooing it. I think it's a really in the in that context. I think it's really remarkable that Phil Mickelson, at 50 years old, was able to win a golf tournament against the best golfers in the world. Gives you hope, right? No, not at all. <laughs> not <laughs> even a little bit. You still got like 15 years, right? I'll never attempt. How many years you got? Until I've you're got uh, seven, thir- 13, seven? 12 and a half. 12 and a half years until okay. I'm 50 years old. Um, Space for seven more kids. It's it's really cool, but it doesn't suddenly mean there's some new. uh, And this is this is where I'm saying, if a if um, 
Ricky if Fowler George, is if what Jordan the guy that, Yeah, I mean, Ricky Fowler Drew obviously different for a sig- it's, it's significant for a different reason. If, if Jordan Spieth comes back and wins and you start doing the math again of how many tournaments a guy has won at what age and <laughs> what they might be capable of, that becomes a relevant story for some time. And you start to identify someone who's, who you, you wanna might want to watch On every the watch time. list. Phil Mickelson winning another one doesn't change his reality really in any way. Well, he's still got like, how many years? Fifty-four until. Yeah, I don't think that he's going to keep playing um, <laughs> that significantly. Um, it doesn't really change his reality, other than in the context of the weekend, it was a really cool story. It's a really cool story. It's not what it would have been. Not Tiger top. won Masters, of course. No, it's right. but th- that, it's not Tiger doing anything. Sure. Let's make that clear. Somebody might say it's actually more remarkable than Tiger winning the Masters a couple years ago because again, Tiger wasn't fifty years old. But it's just significance-wise, it's there's, Tiger sneezes, and it's more significant than anything in, anyone has ever done in golf. Um, it's a good sneeze, though. Yeah, it's a hell of a sneeze. Yeah. And 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 it's not as significant if it would have been if Tom Watson had made that putt at the British Open a few years back. If Tom Watson makes that putt, it's one of the greatest stories in sports history. I mean, in sports history, it's one of the greatest moments that that has ever occurred. He was 60 years old, 59. He was 60 years old. There is still a significant difference than someone between someone who's able to compete at 50 and someone who's able to compete at 60. It's a it's a neat story. It made the weekend more interesting for those of you that are most inclined to watch golf. Frankly, when they put the pictures up of the previous old guys to win, yeah, and the one guy whose like name was old before his real name, his nickname essentially was like old. Old was it okay. was there. He, they said he was forty-four, right? Right. The picture they put up, well, they're, they're, was of a yes, man. Correct. There's been a lot of there's been a lot of that. Age. There's been a lot of that over the years. We're talk to Fred Funk about how remarkable it is. Uh, a little bit later on in the program, Fred, of course, won a golf uh, PGA Tour after the age of fifty once. Now it wasn't the PGA Championship; it was a sort of silly season event. But still, we'll talk to him about just how remarkable it really is that Phil Mickelson did this. And the one thing that could. This is the one thing that could be compelling, is that the only thing that Phil Mickelson's never done is win a U.S. Open, and if this means that he could be capable of going competing at the U.S. Open... He hadn't yet won a PGA Championship before this, or had he? No, he had, So yes. then that was still always a possibility for him to get the grand... Like, is it called a grand slam in golf? Yeah, the career grand right. slam, yes. So this was this is just a notch on his belt, essentially, I mean, in the it hopes was, again, that... It, this, right. In the context of, they played a PGA Championship... It's more interesting than mm-hmm. if Kevin Hovland had won it. Yeah, sure. You know, like it, would it have been more interesting know, if Bryson DeChambeau won? Maybe. Like it would. He would start to. He has not transcended. People right. are not interested in Bryson DeChambeau outside of golf nerds. Si- people that are significantly into golf. The casual golf fan kind of knows that. His story is more interesting. He hits it really far. Um, but he has not transcended to where people that aren't interested in golf. The Phil Mickelson winning the U.S. Open would be a really big deal and would transcend a bit. And this makes you think that perhaps there's a chance he could. And so that could become an interesting story. And again, I'm not... I I wish I could give you a love letter. You guys, if you care about golf, knew better than to come here today. That's just not my... I don't care in the context of it's what happened in golf, so it's what really matters. I think it's a a neat story. I think it's it's more... It's like, oh, wow, that was... Of, hey, look, of, look for, at that. For the fourth most important, for the wor- for the least important of the four major championships all year, it was a uh, huh? How about that? It, it was it was neat I, in the sense that like I was 
look, I know so little about golf. Right. Disclaimer. I'm not going to pretend that I'm some sort of expert. Mm. But for people talking about, oh, this is like the longest course, like 7,800 feet or whatever yards, however many it was. It was in my head. I was like, okay, well, then shouldn't the guy like Dustin Johnson or Desha or any of the guy who can just hit the ball far as hell right. go out and win it, well, right? Like, wouldn't Paris, that make sense? Phil Mickelson get, hits the ball far as hell. Still, Still. at 50? Yes. Is he that a technology the- thing? It's No, I mean, it's just the way that he operates. It's the way that, like, Because he's, he's not exactly a – he's not a bodybuilder. He's not a bodybuilder necessarily, no. But it's not – it hitting the, – the, mm. You uh, you ever watch those uh, long uh, long so- softball long home run derby things? When I was younger, I once upon a time yeah. did. Who was competing in those? Uh, portly fellows. Yes, but they were often peak athletes. They no, the ones. they were not, not remotely. It's about torque, essentially, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's like you can still be kind of big and still get we, those we muscles. Played, we played to kick, engage. We played kickball the other night against. Uh, do you remember the uh, the large man from uh, Fifty First First Dates, the large Hawaiian man? Yeah, from yeah, that yeah. Film. I think he was in. That's uh, just there's a, yes. What? What else was he in? No, it, go on. Okay, uh, he we we played against a team that had a guy on their team that looked exactly like that 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 guy, big big guy. Well, yeah, and we did not back up nearly far enough. For his kick. Now that being said, he didn't get around the bases. Still did not make it to home plate. Yeah. <laughs> after he blasted it bit over all of our heads, he only I feel like was once able you to... get going because the bases are so short. Right, you're shocked that like I'm at second already. Right, like, look how look how quickly this all came about. Um, it's just not that's not necessarily how this works. Look, I, cool story. I'm not trying to. I, but didn't he do things he wasn't I, like? People said he was like impressive in places he's not normally yeah, that great I mean, in yesterday. He was, he was good at just about everything. I mean, he missed well. You know, like even when he missed, he missed in good spots. He obviously recovered incredibly. The shot out of the sand is the the story of the tournament, really, as he ends up winning by two strokes. You know, who knows if if he doesn't hit a great shot, leaves himself a long putt, and misses the putt. That could be the two stroke difference right there. Just the fact that he. Knocked it in from the bunker at that point. Um, it was it was and it, got, it it was a cool performance. It was a really cool performance. It was neat. If you're inclined to like it, for me, it was the fourth option of my day, and and that that ultimately is the difference between Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods. I, lacrosse was my priority. My second priority was at least poking in on the Orioles. I tried poking in a few times this weekend. I don't know why. And then my third priority was the fact that the Suns were playing the Lakers in game one of the playoffs, right? So this couldn't compete with those Those things. Those scrub Lakers, you know? Yeah, yeah. Everybody said there's no way the Suns could possibly compete with them. Jeremy picked Blazers look pretty good. What's that? Blazers look pretty good. Okay, that's one game. Hey. (laughs) And that doesn't make them the NBA champions. I think I'm kind of rooting for the the Knicks. They're not going to win, but, like, you know. Why? I don't know. We had this conversation a couple weeks ago. I'm not going to do it again. Hmm. I, I, the 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 whole bit where we pretend like the Knicks are important and matter a great deal, like I'm, I just, just I'm rooting for the Knicks. Okay, God bless you. Thank you. I, I like Emmanuel I quickly, it. so you know he's got. There's that. I like Thibodeau in a way. I've uh, I respect eh, it. I respect. It's fine. It. I don't like care more about him than other coaches, though. Yeah, you do. No, I don't. Not in any way. <laughs> it's not the thing. Like I, this couldn't compete with that. That's it's maybe the. The bummer of them moving it to May is that they moved it in time for me, where there's more things going on. In August, if it's this or uh, exhibition football, I'm sure is F watching the golf tournament over exhibition football. Um, there's no who's playing. Yeah, don't care. And who's I'm the sure is F. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not watching the exhibition football. That's not occurring. But I get they moved it because of the Olympics. It's not really about football. 
that's the reason why they moved the PGA Championship to May. And it just, you know, it, it would require Tiger Woods. I mean, that's just, that's the reality for me. I would choose the PGA Championship over those things if Tiger Woods was competing in the PGA Championship and literally nothing else. I mean, that's, that's the state of golf, unfortunately. They just have not created a guy that for the casual, and in my, sake, my case, not really even casual, I'm not really even a casual golf fan. I I recognize. I, I am what's the kind of guy on. who like, it's good background noise and filler, right? Like it, I enjoy it, it, the again. It is to right. me if there's no other I option. That. I get that. If there's no other, if if that's what I've got, right? It, I'll give you an example. So the U.S. Open is at Torrey Pines, so they're going to be playing much later in the day. I will be far more inclined to give attention to the U.S. Open, depending on, that might be the NBA Finals by that point. No, the NBA Finals are pushed back this year because they started the season late. Depending on what the, the, the NBA playoff game that's on, is on, that's on up against it at mm-hmm. that point. I would be more inclined because the Orioles game will be over by that point in the day. The lacrosse season's over by that point. There will be less other options for me. It will at least get the flip over during commercials of a sure. basketball game attention because it'll be happening late happening later on in the day because they're playing it on the West Coast. Um I, I still won't be riveted. It won't get my primary attention. The only way for it to get my primary attention, as I said, is for Tiger Woods to be involved. I'm I'm interested in Tiger Woods. He's compelling. These other guys are largely golfers to me. They're 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 golfers out having well, a nice are Sunday golfers. Stroll. Thank you. Appreciate that, Kyle. That that's a dynamite observation on your part. Um, you know, if you're telling me if you've got it, if you want to make a compelling case as to why I, I'm I'm not giving it enough, I, whatever you want to say about it, that's fine. Say it at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. I'm happy to hear that today. And I think for a lot of people that love golf, it's a really exciting day. It's just that I don't think those are the people that are tuned into this program. Drew's not listening. I don't think. I mean, Drew is. probably thinks it's a holiday. Like he genuinely probably believes it's the most important day of the year that everyone should be talking about. And I did. We talked about it for the start of the show. And we're gonna have Fred Funk join us a little bit later. I I I recognize that it's a more significant story than again if Gary Woodland had won the PGA Championship. He's yesterday. a hell of a golfer. Greenwood. Yeah, Woodland. Close. Very close. Very close. Um. So so there's that. The my primary attention yesterday, of course, was on lacrosse, and that's me. And by the way, I was, you know, that's not true. I actually paid attention to all four games this weekend, even the two that didn't involve local teams. I was gonna say maybe it wouldn't be the same if there. I think if there had been no local teams in the quarterfinals, somehow the quarterfinals was all no local teams at all. It might not have gotten the same amount of attention in my life, but it got a lot of attention this weekend. I was checking in. On all four. Having games. to miss the Georgetown game, thankfully. Yeah, that was a tough one for you, boy. You nearly, you nearly clinched yeah. uh, yesterday. You came awfully close mm-hmm. to being eliminated, and being the loser in this. I'm in pretty good shape because I'm guaranteed to have a team in the final. So I'm in pretty good shape. I'd have to do the math to see if I've already clinched or not. Um, but um, but you did stay alive, thankfully, because Maryland rallied in the fourth quarter. So if they were to win the championship, I would I would almost ensure. Almost that I certainly, yes. you would be safe. Almost certainly, that would be the case. That you. Who are they be playing safe. next? Uh, next up for Mar- Hang on. Next up for Maryland is Duke, right? Yeah, because I've got yeah Duke, and I got uh, Virginia and Carolina. So so it's you versus Booker. This really is kind of a presumably this is, this this is, is a. So if I were to get. Maryland in the finals, I don't think that would ensure that I would beat him, though, right? 
I'd have to do the math. He, no, he had few... four, but he had, but he only had two more points. Yeah, he would have six though total, right? Well, he's got. Or I guess if they no. end, it's no. not like it's not like you get the cumulative. He's like... he's got a total of six right now. Right. I've got a total of six right now. You've got a total of four right now. Okay. So if Maryland, it's essentially yeah, this is essentially the deciding game. Essentially, this become this become almost certainly this becomes the decider. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that I think that math works out. Okay. I think that well, math. Works honestly, out. I guess I like that better than Maryland needing to go in to win it all. You know? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, why not? Yeah, right? gonna, we're gonna do it. Go do it. But right? like you get, I'm not. You know. But if in the yeah, case it's not, of, it's not a concern for you whether you win or not. Sure, it's just about sure. not losing. I completely get that. Um, How are their chances? Eh, I mean, the, it's really hard to get a read on any of these teams. I, I'm just—it's very difficult to and get a read do on. Barely beat Loyola. And C- correct. Loyola put a the, on, the only team that that won comfortably this weekend was Virginia, and Virginia, most people would say, them to, of yeah, right. th- of the four, that was the one that ever thought was the most vulnerable this weekend. I remember, Patrick so, was like, "The only one I'm positive is going to move on is UNC," and they barely got by. I mean, they had to go to overtime right. in order to win. They beat Rutgers. There were three overtime games this weekend. It was a great weekend of lacrosse, other than the Virginia game, which was a blowout. Um, it was a great weekend of lacrosse. It was heartbreaking for Loyola because they it was such a gutty effort to compete with Duke and to battle and to take that game to overtime. They fell behind, and they had to rally in order to get it to overtime. They had the lead late and the ball, but they lost it. I mean, it... It seemed like they were on the precipice of getting them. Then they were manned down late in the game. They had to survive in order to get into overtime. They got to stop in overtime. It felt like everything was going their way. And then this wild circus shot from Joe Robertson ends up being what does it for Duke as they move on to Final Four weekend. It's a bummer. It takes nothing away from what has been an unbelievable run for Loyola in writing their ship, turning their season around. And as a lot of people have pointed out, Maybe Charlie Toomey's best coaching performance of all time, which is saying a lot considering, you know, national championship and multiple trips to the Final Four over the course of his career. Um, A really incredible run for Loyola. Maryland was in a lot of trouble. They blew an early 5-1 lead yesterday. Saw that tweet. I was like, whew. Maryland was up 5-1. I said... Well, this is good. Yeah, you're good to go, right? Feeling pretty they good. They blow now. that. They fall behind by three, Jesus. and then they score four goals in about the span of a minute. You know, in order to something about that makes me glad I wasn't uh, happened to yeah, miss why, that you, action. You watching I wasn't it, living yeah. that might have might have made your yeah. heart uh, struggle a little bit. <laughs> but um, you know, they get the ball first in overtime. They go right in. DeMeo scores, and they win there. So they're on the championship Thank weekend, God. and that gives all of us. Uh, in, this is the bu- the bummer locally is that. The moment, if Maryland were to lose, there's just no lacrosse season's over at that point. We just don't, we don't care about. Wake me up when September you know, comes. Exactly. That's exactly what <laughs> Billy Joe said. Thank you very much. We were not going to care about four ACC teams going and competing in Hartford next week, and the rest of the sport would be interested. We would not be quite as interested in that. It doesn't end up being the case. Thankfully, there is uh, at least one local tie to the Final Four, so we'll talk some more lacrosse this week as the week goes on. As far as the Orioles are concerned, not ideal. I mean, actually, is it? I don't know. Maybe it is ideal. Um, oh, I'm definitely. You know, like it oh, is, we I'm, get it is ideal, but it's not fun to have watched baseball and see them play poorly and lose, and the pitchers give up all that and all I, that. I, so it's like I, I don't know. I, I don't know where I fall in the sense that I'm a still an Orioles fan, and so like if I'm going to be tuning in to see them just get drubbed is not my preference. But at the same time, I understand that it is. Yeah, I, this is. I'm. I'm now after this stretch. It sure. is far easier for me to say. I can enjoy 
losses more. More, I, yes. Like it was not something. The beginning the of the joy season, might be the word. I'm, it's more of a. They're more palatable. It's a. They were always palatable. There was never a moment where it wasn't agreed, palatable for me. Agreed. I'm talking about the. I genuinely understand the best possible result is the result where they lose, and so I, I'm not out there, you know, high fiving people that the Orioles lost a baseball game. But it's a step beyond just the it doesn't hurt me. There's a level where it's a yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I I recognize that this is the best scenario for the Orioles. Still, Look, I think there's, I, I there's am, still positives like Trey Mancini's hitting very well right now. Man, that's neat because I like Trey Mancini. I don't. It doesn't have any bearing on the Orioles' overall rebuild. Um, well, I mean, I. I mean, it's the discussion we've had a lot. and You're going to keep trying to make it seem like Trey Mancini's an asset. He's no, not. I'm just saying he's been hitting recently in the, in the production capacity of that scenario where I discussed him being about as good as you could be at a certain point when you'd be looking That's to trade him. wonderful. He's not an asset. We can keep doing this all you want to do, I, and, I, and I get it, and I don't know if it's just a thing to try to make you feel better when you put your head on your pillow at night. No, you want the guarantee fairy there. I don't know what it is. Trey Mancini is not a trade asset. He's not a trade asset. He's not, now, it doesn't mean you're not going to trade him. It doesn't mean you can't. It just means he's not an asset. Trey Mancini is not well, getting you anything. this is all about anything. how you define an asset. The notion that Trey Mancini is going to land you even a top 100 prospect. No, I one didn't say that. Is crazy. I didn't say that. Right. So then what are you There's saying? There's still plenty of room for good talent to be received from a Trey Mancini trade. Fine. It, it, you, it could be the difference can, between getting a player that actually has like upside you, that, a, that a team doesn't want to really lose or if you were to just trade him for the sake of trading him. Getting filler, right? You'd still lo- might likely be trading him for the sake of trading him. We're doing a wacky bit where we want to make it seem like Trey Mancini is a desirable asset because some people have greater peace at the idea of trading Trey Mancini than they have trading, say, John Means. Trey Mancini's not an asset. Could he be dealt? Maybe. Maybe. Is it the right thing to do? I I don't know. You're not getting anything that's changing this team, this organization, in trading Trey Mancini, which doesn't mean you can't do it. It doesn't mean you can't get something, but you're not doing anything that's going to change this with Trey Mancini, even if he's he's playing as well as he possibly can play. It's just not real. That's not a thing. It's something we want to believe is possible. It's not. There's one asset that you have, and it's the guy you guys don't want to trade. That's your asset. That's your chance. That's the one thing that you can do that could maybe get you the return of something significant that injects something to this organization. That's it. There's one. All the other guys are somewhere between redundant and trash. This is why these are painful. You don't just get to give away your thing that you're okay giving away and hope that someone else really wants it. And I still believe that there's a difference between the trash and what you're saying is redundant and a middle-of-the-order bad. And, like, 
We're There's a going to do this eternally. It's nothing's ever going to change. You're not going to give me an example of any other player that was traded like this that got a team something of significance. Did J.D. Martinez, when did he get traded? And if ever It's been years since J.D. Martinez has been traded. So you mean specifically in the past couple I'm, of years? I'm, I mean, obviously last year was an interesting and odd year. And it I'm, did. I'm talking, give me in the last three years, a player who is a bat-only first baseman corner outfielder that was traded and somebody gave up something to get him. I mean, I'd have to, to think. I can't just off the top of my head pull that, it out of my... But that's the point. The point is we know about trades that are made. The what, guys, did, what did Stanton get? And I get that he's... Stanton was traded in the offseason and he's not a, he's not a bat-only corner infielder. Corner outfielder. He was a center fielder when he was traded. Well, he's a left fielder. I understand that, but when he was traded, he was a center fielder. He was a young player. You're, you're, this, we're, we're, and by the way, that's beyond three years, too. We keep doing this because you want to feel better about it. There is nothing that backs that up. There is no actual evidence. It's just I want to believe. I mean, I, again, we can all want to believe. I, I, I don't want to try to tell you that uh, the, 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 the tooth fairy isn't real. This is not something that happens in baseball. You don't trade these types of players to get actual assets for them. Somebody will take them. They'll do it. You want to get rid of cash? They'll take them to get actual assets, to get something that is potentially changing your reality. It does not happen. But I like Trey Mancini, and it's neat to see Trey Mancini perform well. And in the world in which it just might be more valuable for the Orioles to have Trey Mancini around, I it's it's cool. Nobody's there's no problem with seeing Trey Mancini perform. It's he's not really likely to be part of this story whenever it comes together, and he doesn't really help you in much of any way. I'm just saying if I, I don't know what you're getting, like I'm not. I never said he's going to get a top 100 guy. I'm just saying this is going to. He's could get you a lottery ticket that actually the, the, will have upside. I think the, the uh, okay, a, 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 a potential upside lottery ticket. Yeah, that's what this uh, is. God that's what bless. this game is. Like it's, that's it's not what this game is. But it, is. it doesn't it's a rebuild, mean no. It doesn't mean it's not something that you do. But you don't make a rebuild on potential upside lottery tickets. That's not how these teams come together. That's not the way it works. It doesn't mean you don't no, do it. It is about collecting a lot of them, right? Like that's it, this is how systems are built. Like Adley no, Rutschman is. No, it's not how is, they're built. You keep saying that they're not built on those players. It doesn't mean you don't do it. They are not built that way. I understand you want to have as many Adley Rutschman, Dio Halls, and Grayson Rodriguez as possible. That's what systems are built on. They're built on the guys that you scouted well, built and on you developed. Signings are built on yes, all of them. Far more that, international right? like, signings. Like draft picks, you have a finite amount of them. Correct. So like you gotta be able to collect talent however may like and this is about them scouting and all of that. Adding, and adding in, guys they like to the I am system. not telling you adding one more player that has some amount of upside that isn't thought of is a terrible idea. I'm saying it's not changing anything about your rebuild. There's some world in which you could find something that someone hits on. The likelihood of that changing significantly because Trey Mancini hit pretty well in May is so minuscule it's not worthy of conversation. The idea that you're changing drastically the type of low-level, not-thought-of prospect that you could get in the Trey Mancini trade does not suddenly make it a win. 
It's neat that Trey Mancini's hitting because Trey Mancini's a likable guy, and I like Trey Mancini. The idea that what he's doing, hitting a little bit in May, is going to suddenly change the type of return you could get for him in a hypothetical trade is at best negligible. At best a wash. But it was always in a scenario where he would have to be hitting out of his mind for the entire first half of the year. So you can't do that unless you hit really well in May, and hopefully he hits really well in June, and hopefully he hits really well in July. You're saying that to get a negligible return. You're talking about if he hits out of his mind, you could go from a one to a two, maybe. What is that? Maximizing an asset? Kyle, it's, it's you trying to say something for the sake of saying it. No, There's I mean, nothing it's nothing there. It's a when you traded Dylan Bundy, you were saying, well, this didn't work. Let's just get something for him. And now Kyle Bradish is pitching very, very well. Yes. So. And so, for example, that guy might end up being somebody that you get for somebody who's not hitting. You mean it's not no guarantee that that guy is going to do anything? Is what you're saying? I'm, I'm, it's not even this. There's no guarantee. It's that the guy, somebody, if they don't feel significantly about them, they are not suddenly going to change their mind about whether they're going to give him up because Trey Mancini hit a little bit for a couple of weeks. The Depends notion how much they have a need, right? Like, oh my God, we're we're so obsessed with this Trey Mancini thing. I'll I'll never understand this. There's a lot of bits that you do that I'm like, all right, I, I kind of get it. This one is the one that I'll never understand. I like Trey Mancini. I'm happy for him. But this thing where you're trying to make it seem like there is some story there based on how Trey Mancini performs and what that means for the Orioles is is, is borderline insane. It's, it's saying it for the sake of saying it or because you decided it was a way one time and you can't just wrap your mind around the idea that it might not be. I don't know what it is. The notion that there is something to be gained here is kind of crazy. I like Trey. He's a great guy, and he's a guy that I'll forever root for. And so when he performs well, he performs well. And if there's an argument, it's the argument that you want to see him have an opportunity, and there's a team that's more likely to give you their trash because Trey Mancini is performing well, and he could be a piece of, of, of them hoping to win at some point. But the notion that it's going to mean something for the Orioles, one way or the other, there is just nothing there. There is nothing that suggests that a trade for this player is changing based on what they did. And you cannot come up with this example. It does not exist. Good guy. Great guy. Pretty good baseball player. But unfortunately, the things that he does are not the things that teams are desirous of at the trade deadline. They're not looking for that. They're looking for starting pitching. John Means pitches tonight. Every time John Means goes to the mound, it's very relevant what he does. Because there is a world in which John Means can be a significant asset. A lot of you guys don't want that. A lot of you guys don't like that. A lot of you guys would say, you can't do that. That's insane. That's nuts. But that's the one. It's the one thing you have that can still help you in a trade capacity. Which doesn't mean you can't make, as you pointed out, you can trade a Dylan Bundy and maybe come away with I don't know what Kyle Bradish is going to prove to be. He's pitched pretty well. He's pitched great. He's got promoted. The, yeah, moved up. At, which might tell you something about what they think of him. 
They're not really sure if he's a guy that can get major league hitters out, so they feel like he's got to go to AAA. Well, he's pitched very well at Double A, right? Like, but not every. If you're really that well thought of, those guys don't always have to go to Triple A. Hear you. The the thought would be they need to know that you can get when you're at Triple A, you're facing guys likely that have major league mm-hmm. experience, and so they need to see if he can go get major leaguers out, and so they need to see him at Triple A. Maybe Kyle Bradish will prove to be a thing at some point. The scouts aren't there yet. They don't feel that way necessarily, but that can change. If he continues to do it, they didn't feel that way about Trey Mancini once upon a time, John right? Means. Correct. They didn't feel that way about John Means. You might very well end up finding that guy. It doesn't mean you don't trade for whatever you can get. You Go do that. Go make as many trades as you can for anyone that's willing to give you something to take a flyer on a guy. By all means. By all John Means. I'm I'm for it, but we can't confuse ourselves into thinking something that isn't an asset is. That's problematic. We don't just get to determine what is an asset. There's one. This team has one asset. And you guys talk to you when he gets the top prospect in baseball in return for Trey Mancini. Yes, yes. Well, I, Wander I, Franco. Yes, when Wander Franco is the return because the Rays They've of, got all, a log of all the teams. They've got a log jam. A of shortstop. all the teams. They called that up would make Hulls that move. I would instead say of Bruhan yes, yes, it's great. Franco, most likely give us one of them. It, most likely team to do it would be the Tampa Bay Rays. Correct. They're the team that's most likely to be the one to do this. You'll see. Mark know, my words. I don't know what you think that means. Hmm? Right, go ahead. Why don't you make a guarantee? Hmm? What kind of guarantee would you like I'll to make I'll just put it in the book. What kind of guarantee would you like to make? We got rid of that the. They're going to get Wander. Now Franco? you got it. You got to make a guarantee. I'll eat a whole rack of ribs. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, now you know it means something. Yeah. This is not a man who enjoys eating a rack of ribs. Everybody knows that about him. Hates them. I'll Hates even let someone else cook them. What? Yeah. You'll eat someone yeah. else's ribs. They got to know what they're doing. They, they oh well yeah. I mean you got to have standards if you're going to make this type of guarantee. Yeah, sure you can't just garbage, you, know? you can't just throw things out there Correct. wildly Correct. In, the, in the hopes of that being the case. Correct. That would be. That would be crazy. You're right. That would be absolutely nuts. Um, there was. I feel like there was. Oh, the Capitals lost. So that I. I don't. You can't get me to. I'm sorry. You know who they lost to? The Bruins. I don't. Penguins, care. wasn't it? Nope. They lost to the Bruins. Are you sure? Are you serious? Right. Are now? you sure? Do you really not know? Are that? you sure? I'm One thousand percent. I'm not as sure as you. I. That's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's a. You're. You're doing a bit where you're debating fact. No. It's not a good. Look, one thing we do know is both teams have black and yellow. That as part their is true. Yes, that that part is accurate. Yes. But only one of them played the Capitals. The rest we the are not round. quite seeing eye to eye on. Yeah, well, no, right. That's that, and that's a problem because one of us is speaking fact. Uh-huh. The other one of us is just saying something for Look, the sake of saying. Only one of us is speaking in absolute. A, I'm just not had sure. Had a, had a bit of a struggle this morning in these departments. <laughs> had a bit of. I'm an not issue. sure what you mean. Well, I. It's part of the problem. That's part of You've identified the problem. Hmm. The next step is eradicating it. How did Crosby play? Uh, he wasn't in this series. The, he, he plays for Pittsburgh. The Capitals played against Boston. It's a rivalry, right? But the Capitals and the Bruins? And Not the really. The Pirates. Yeah. Okay. What what did you what what did you get into this weekend? Basketballs. Yeah, you were watching Watch the basketballs. basketballs. You were watching yeah. the basketballs. It was a good time. Watching Devin Booker. God, I love Devin Booker. He's pretty good at shooting. He's quite well. You know, it's really weird. Chris Paul got hurt again. You were like, is this going to happen again? Are we going to have this happen again? Real nervous in those moments. I was really nervous in those moments. But thankfully, he was all right. Um, C3 American Exteriors, don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 to get roof and siding repairs for just the cost of your home insurance deductible. 
Get a free analysis right now. Free analysis by calling 410-401-9797 or go to c3america.com and you can get that free analysis. Um, I feel like there was something. Oh, the Wizards lost. Yeah, that's not surprising. Yeah, I don't know what I'm supposed to say here. Like they, they, they got in. God bless them. They're, it just feels like Westbrook's teams are built for stats that just – Yes. There's just not enough so organization when he's on the court for it to be like they're going to go and beat the best teams I, I, I consistently. I completely agree. Utterly, completely agree. And I feel like there was something else that was interesting. Was there? I feel like there was. Oh, you know what I said on Friday night? Everybody's going to make a big deal about you know the NBA. Well, this is this is why the the plan tournament's going to stay forever. Right, I, and Steph Curry's not in. No. That's that, that's the reality to me. The reality to me is the NBA. Look, John Morant's proven to be. He's if they look if Grizzlies go on to beat the 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 Jazz, which is extraordinarily unlikely. Sure, but Donovan Mitchell when he returns figures to probably swing that back. Yes. But I understand, right? Like in that crazy out of this world scenario. That John Morant stakes claim to being now one of the best players in yeah, basketball. Could it be worth it to them? Yeah, but not. It's it's but, one unlikely, and two, it takes more than just winning a playoff. Like if no, I know it if, would have to be if, like if, he would have to just be the. Like, if, nobody's if, gonna if, get moved by whatever that other the guy the the second Dylan Dylan Brooks yes. like going and putting up thirty one. It's not like, even. It's not even that. What I'm saying is like John Morant basketball fans know. Of course. The problem is you need to transcend basketball fans, and what it takes in order to do that is so overwhelmingly significant that you're very far away from that. Now, could John Morant be that guy at some point in the next five years? Maybe. Yeah, you I know, you. like. Russell Westbrook never became that guy. Um, no, Morant J- is. James Harden never became that Morant guy. Morant is. I think he's a more exciting player. He's more of like a that guy's a basketball savant almost, right? Like he's a his IQ on the court is incredible. Now I agree, right? He's not there yet. He's not a guy that fans are going to tune in to watch. And I don't know whether it's just consistency, right? Whether it's having years of dominating and yeah, being a perennial I right. contender, or in them, I don't know. Like, of course, the Grizzlies are in the playoffs, kind of thing, and the way Damian Lillard has. Now, state claim to being he's one not, of the best, but he it, is, but he's not transcendent. I get it. Basketball fans love Damian Lillard. It's if you're not a if you're not ordained to be a basketball fan, you might be Where aware. Do they do that? I don't know. We should look into yeah. that. I do. I do want to get my. <laughs> I do want to get my certificate. If you're not inclined to be a basketball fan, you might be aware of Damian Lillard's name. Sure, but it he's doesn't. A good rapper too. That's fine. The he best, is. the he best. Is. I don't disagree with that. Out I don't disagree with that whatsoever. But it hasn't made him a transcendent star. It has not made him someone who, in pop- oh, you tried recording a full length no LP during not, a basketball season. You keep saying this as if I'm trying to make it seem like he's not talented. The it. man is extraordinarily talented. Yeah, he has not crossed over, sure. as we were talking about with golf earlier. He has not crossed over in a way that he's relevant. Steph Curry has. The NBA found mm-hmm. a way, a creative, compelling, fascinating way to get rid of. One of their two most, one of the their two only, frankly, mm-hmm. transcendent. Su- yeah, Kevin Durant's close enough that I would I would put Kevin Durant in that category as well. One of one of their three transcendent figures in the sport. You don't think Harden is? No, he's not transcendent. He's he's very. Harden's in a weird place too, just because he's never won anything. Like it's a. He's a he's a relevant basketball player, but even in basketball circles, he's largely been an afterthought. 
he would do well to win a title. It would certainly make him mm-hmm. more relevant, but I don't think it would mm-hmm. even that would be likely to make him transcendent, particularly because of where he'd be doing it and who else is on it's his also team. His reputation to this point is sort of well, this is the time of year where he's there's a but it, even even if they win. He's winning on Kevin Durant's I agree. team. You yeah. know what I mean? Like super he's team, yeah. it's it's well, Kyrie as well. It's not as if like, this is the super team part well, is their team's loaded. <laughs> I I agree, <laughs> but the super team part isn't even as significant as James Harden finally getting a ring and no, just it being on the guy that's going to the guy that's it. going to get all the attention is going to be Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant will be the guy well, that gets all the attention. Whether or not it's fully like I don't know if that's right. right? I don't. But I don't know. I get that that's that's the way it works. The Biggest star, and he's the most team. famous. He's the guy that people are aware of. They're familiar with him. He will be the guy that gets all the the national atten- the international attention, if the Nets go on to win a, an NBA title this year. So it, it there's that's it. Those are your three guys. You got three guys in the NBA right now, and the NBA figured out a way to get rid of one of them in a compelling way. It was compelling for a couple of days, but they got rid of one of them before the playoffs ever began. And if you're the NBA, you got to sit down and think about it. Apparently, they want to revisit the in-season tournament thing, which just I will do this to. I have no idea what that's supposed to be. Yeah, and when know. you say, I just you, don't know why we would care to the point where it would feel like it would worth it. Be you worth would it, right? Not like, care. You can't ascribe like false or fake value you ha- to a quote-unquote title. You know, I, I said yesterday, if you want to do this and you want to make it a thing where we're going to get rid of. We are we're sick of the fact that the Western Conference is so loaded that we literally have Steph Curry missing the playoffs in the West mm-hmm. while the Eastern Conference stinks and we want to balance schedules a little bit more and we just want to have no conferences in the postseason anymore the way that we've done with sure. the the All-Star game. We're not going to have co- conferences in the postseason anymore and we're going to have an in-season tournament and the winner of that in-season tournament will be guaranteed a number 1 seed in the playoffs. That no matter what happens, they could lose every game the rest of the way. They are guaranteed yeah, to be, be a number one seed. Then you'd be more compelled to watch. And presumably they'd be more compelled to care. And the players would be involved and they want to play in it. I would think. I, I, w- I don't know that, but it would at least it would mean like, there was... It would, it would potentially, like... I'm imagining a scenario where, oh my gosh, how in the world did Team X pull it off? And Team X is a player, like one player is all the offense on that team. Right, like Luka Doncic... Wins it for the Mavericks. The word and then is that this would be hurt. a single elimination type of tournament. So it would be. It might not be that the best team wins the tournament. That it would just be the team that happened to have a hot week. So like, say the Mavericks secure in this scenario and right. one seed, and then Luka Doncic gets out for the year. Right. They're they're, they're fine. They're safe. But then the map, but the NBA is not feeling great about. Oh, that but now. you're saying Luka Doncic doesn't return for the postseason? Correct. Yes. And that, so like now they have the number like they've handed yeah, the they, spot to. But they can lose in the first round. I mean that's fine. Like they they can just lose in the first round, and you get another team that that moves forward. It's not the first round's never really moving the needle. Is, the first, six, yeah. Sixteen teams are still making the playoffs no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like you can have one of those spots go to a team that's not all that compelling. The Wizards are in. You know, like you can. Well, they're always in. You can do it. And they're not always in. No, <laughs> you can do it that way. Like it's it's fine. You, but you have to have something. There has to be some. reason. Reason I hear why you. people care. Like, what if Giannis got hurt? <laughs> it, I mean, it would that would be a problem mm-hmm. for sure. But my, the point being, if it's just the preseason nit, mm-hmm. if you're just if doing you're just the handing out a new title the, and like the here's can, the new Super League yeah, the, trophy, the Cancun Challenge. If you're just Beef doing Brady, the midseason, well, those are postseason. I'm talking about the early season college basketball events that they do. But it's more like they're trying to simulate the the, the, the Champions League, right? Like a season within but, a season of sorts. But it's still all in the same insulated group. Yes, correct. There's, yeah. that's not, there's not. Hey, we're gonna play for this championship now. Right. And then another championship later, so they're just competing in different leagues or different just, just competitions putting, at putting the same the time. Different 
the same group in the different blender and being like essentially right. I wonder if it'll taste different. I, I you have there has to be some in order for this to matter. There it has to matter. You can't just tell me, well, it's tournament. Like nobody. Well, this isn't the solution for making regular season basketball matter. We know when NBA basketball doesn't matter. But if you say we want to make the early, I get it. If, if, you, if you put something that's, that's if we want to make the early season games matter, so if you got to be a top eight team in the that. NBA, like eight team you, in the NBA, if you're one of the teams with the eight best records in the NBA, when we get to uh, the All Star break time, if you want to be, if you're one of those top eight teams, then you can play in the single el- elimination tournament. So this would make the All Star break like moot. To, uh, no, there would still be an All Star weekend, but they wouldn't have the same like. Players would be less inclined to participate if they're also. No, I think you would have to. In. I think you'd have to line it up with the All Star game to make sure that the players that are in this tournament still get time off. I think you would have to line. But the it up players with that, that are in this tournament aren't those like the eight best teams in the? Yes. In the NBA, so why would those the best players and the best teams aren't going to play? What do you mean? If the if the best teams, the eight best teams, were taking in a mid season tournament yes. around the time of the All Star break, you would have to extend it. You're going to give them time to both I, do I, this and then also this, be I think in the All Star game. You would have a week. In which you would play this tournament, and then the second week you'd have four days off, and then All Star festivities, and then the season begins after the All Star break. You'd have to line it up at a time where they know that they've got time off coming afterwards in order for them to care, yeah. for them to be interested in going after it. They'd have to know they got time off coming after that. Otherwise, they'd be more inclined to say, "No, the, you've seen how we treat the regular season; it doesn't matter." I don't know what we're doing. We're spending time talking about a hypothetical in-season basketball tournament because that's what the commissioner of the NBA. Thinks people are dying for. Just got to have this in-season basketball tournament that no one has ever suggested that they are interested in. But cool. That's what they're going to do. All right. um, When we come back in, we will chat with Fred Funk. We will get back into Phil Mickelson conversation, winning the PGA Championship. Freddie Funk once won a tournament after the age of 50, a PGA event. Not the PGA Championship, mind you. But there's not a whole lot of guys that have done this. So we'll talk to him about just how amazing this truly is. Today's show also brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. It's Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Hey, this is Chris Rowland from Great Ace Memorabilia. And June 27th from 12 to 4, we want to invite you out to the first ever Tucker Fest for the Brigands Brigade Foundation. Come meet Justin Tucker. Listen to a free live concert from Joey Harkham and Dave Teeth. Jeremy Kahn will be in the Express Exterior Design Dunk Booth. We'll have food trucks from Jimmy's Famous Seafood, vendors, and a huge cornhole tournament. This is a free family fun event on Sunday, June 27th from 12 to 4 p.m. at Jerry's Toyota and Bel Air Road. For more information, go to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's Great Eights with the number eight letter S. And remember, Great Eights Memorabilia, be great. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. 
Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil, where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand, carefully sorted, bagged, shipped, and finally roasted. And the journey ends as your cup of rich, flavorful Royal Farms coffee, the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. When it comes to cost and quality, Window Nation has you covered, saving you thousands more on your windows compared to national brands while providing the same, if not better, quality. Want detail? Window Nation measures each window three times to ensure proper fit. And after they install your new windows, they leave your home cleaner than it was before. Get 50% off every style window plus put no money down make no payments and pay no interest for 24 months 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com tell them glenn clark sent you window nation the perfect fit the latest edition of press box is available now on the cover luke jackson profiles top orioles pitcher john means and the role new pitching coach chris holt is taken with means and the entire organization inside matt kremnitzer reflects on nick markakis's career and bo smolka looks at what to expect from the ravens 2020 draft class in their second season press box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. You are out. You are listening to Glenn Clark Radio Radio at GlennClarkRadio.com. So John's, uh, John from Little Rock is in that camp. I don't know. We've talked about this before. It's great to see the Garden rocking. I'm not a Knicks fan. I was impressed that Young made that silent in the end. It's good to see that the Knicks are relevant again. I don't. I just don't get it. I, I hear it all the time, and I'll never understand it. And it's not because I don't get the significance of the building. I do, 100%. It's that I don't I just think you associate in a certain way, in a romantic way sometimes, I think you associate basketball with New York City. I, I, I never have and I never will. Basketball happens wherever it's being played. I get that. Of like course. I, I don't I, understand. I don't associate I Rucker Park, I I get the there's legendary games. There's legendary games on some at the dome in Baltimore. There's legendary stories about basketball in of course. in every community. I'll never understand the it's the Knicks and it's so it's more re- interesting or more relevant. I won't ever get that. And I think that if you heard the same if you heard a baseball fan in um in Cleveland say after the Yankees have been bad for a few years, it's really nice that the Yankees are relevant again. Of you'd course say, you'd feel that way. Like if you're a Pacers I, fan or whoever I don't even know who the he hates the Knicks, right? Like I don't know who's 
they've been so pathetic for yes, so long. I mean, it's, yes, it's hard to imagine hating the Knicks like any the longer. The Bulls and Knicks were once. Yes, it was a thing right. once upon a time. Sure. So like, if both teams were still good, the, and the Celtics and Knicks were a thing once upon a time. A lot of teams and the Knicks were a thing once upon I a time. I just would rather there be more things than just the Lakers and the Celtics. I agree with that, but I don't feel stronger about the Knicks than I. I can't fathom someone feeling strongly about the Knicks versus an actual good team. Like, for example, the Phoenix Suns. I can't fathom being more compelled by the Knicks, who are a neat well, story. Course, the time zone is a bit of a hindrance it, it's, at times. It, that, that's fair to some extent, right? But the Knicks, I actually don't think we're on national TV all that much this season because nobody thought they were going to be that good. And so they'll be next year and they're going to suck, you know? Almost certainly. Almost <laughs> certainly this means that next year they're going to be a constant on national TV and they're going to be garbage again. That's the way it'll work. I, I just, or, or any other team, the Utah Jazz, I can't fathom. Well, time zone again, but like, and I just, people, they exist in the periphery. Like, I get it. The Jazz have been great all year. Mm-hmm. But you're still not going to get somebody to tune in because the Jazz are playing. I understand that. I can't fathom doing that with the Knicks. I just can't fathom it. I can't fathom saying. I just saying, think that it's something, I, I think there's also something about, it's, I don't know whether you want to call it ironic, hypocritical, whatever the word you want to apply to it. There's something about the New York fans in bas and I hate them in baseball. I, I hate them. That's that the hypocr- either. hypocrisy. I don't here. think they're better basketball fans than you can find anywhere else. I just think I like it better in a basketball format than I do in a maybe because I've been again and it's I've I hate Yankees fans. Uh-huh. Through and through. Right can't stand them right and i can acknowledge that this doesn't make sense that these are the same people largely right who would be in the stands watching the Knicks but why spirit. do you think they're better fans than you're going to find in any other it market where the team is bad for a feels, long time it i don't know how much thibodeau has to do with this but it feels like the knicks are an embodiment of the the way people talk about 90s basketball like tough physical, you know, like playing a maybe, brand that's like I mean, outworking you, blue collar More so than some other teams are, but not, this is not, we're not talking about the and Pistons. It fits, and it fits, I think, whatever the, in my mind, whatever the idea I have about New York basketball would this be. Is, it's, I, I, am, I am constantly fascinated by this. And I'd love to hear, I, 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 John Message and I retweeted, I would love to hear from, from those of you that, this means nothing to me. I wasn't, in fact, I after the games that I wanted to watch yesterday, I went and spent some time with my in-laws and didn't even have a thought to like, oh, I should, there's a game going on at Madison Square Garden. I should look into that. It didn't even register with me. It's a nothing. Now, part of that, by the way, is that while Julius Randle's had a really good season, I don't think of him as a superstar. He's not compelling. Trey Young, you can make the argument, is, is on the cusp of perhaps being a superstar. Mm-hmm is a, a fantastic player to watch. And Trey Young... I mean, Derrick Rose is playing really well. Derrick Rose was making some great passes. And, and then R.J. Barrett missed a f- few open threes. Not the course of that second half. That would I, have I like Trey Young. Swung it. I, I'm more compelled to watch Trey Young. Like, uh, But I would be... I'm as compelled to watch Trey Young against the Knicks as I am against anyone else. Like, if he was playing the Cavaliers, like I'd you, be just You've as acknowledged compelled. the romanticism behind the garden, right? Like, I, I know you the, don't exactly but you it don't necessarily subscribe to it, but it's still, you acknowledge that it still no, matters. No, the, the arena matters. The building So Trey Young doing matters. that in that Madison Square Garden is still a moment, right? Like, I, that's still more than insert, you know, wherever the Suns or wherever the Jazz, wherever these teams play. I, it, I, maybe, but 
what the Suns did against the Lakers is way more compelling and way more it matters way more than that that makes them the Suns going and winning against the Lakers makes them a more viable team that I'm not saying they're going to but could contend for an NBA title the Hawks beating the Knicks in New no, York. Yeah, you Trae don't think Young, either of these teams realistically has a chance of being in the finals, let alone maybe the Eastern Conference They're participants in the playoffs. Finals. That's what they are. They're participants. They're teams that are there because the conference isn't very good. nothing compelling about them. Right? Like they, I understand, but the conference... They were really good. The, the what would they the be year. if they were in the Western Conference? I don't know, but their defense was good against Western Conference teams this year as well, right? Like they were the best defensive team, or one of the five best defensive teams in basketball this year, I right? Don't like, know that the Knicks would be in the playoffs if they played in the Western Conference. They're not relevant. They're relevant in context because we've decided that they're that they're, New York matters and playing at Madison Square Garden. Because I get things like this from Chris. I'm not a Knicks fan, but they have the best fans in the NBA. How else can you explain constant sellouts to that crappy owner? Well, you could explain it by saying they're the biggest market in the planet. It's not hard. This isn't the. That doesn't mean the Mets are selling out, does it? I mean, I get they are I mean, right now, and like, they have like, like the, the Mets, team's good, right? Like, but when the Mets, you're suck. also you're also comparing uh, uh, eighty plus baseball games a year to forty basketball games, and you're comparing well, the closest. A, to fi- better... You're comparing a fifty thousand seat stadium to twenty thousand people in a basketball arena. There's no comparison between those things. Like, the, the Lakers, when they were bad, were still selling out. Then the Lakers had Smush Parker on their roster. They were still selling out. I'm name. not trying to be disrespectful to Smush. I get it. He's a very important player. They were still selling out every game because they're the Lakers. Well, they had Kobe Bryant also. Even in, even in the year after Kobe Bryant was gone, even that year, they were still selling out every game, even when Kobe Bryant wasn't a part of it. Well, they had they were, Dwight Howard, dude. You know what? I didn't think about that. That's, that is a major draw. It's a major draw. Um, I love hearing that arena rocking. It takes me back to the early mid nineties. Look, man, it's clearly a thing for other people. I I don't think that even those people are capable of explaining it to me. It's more of a it, it comes off as a feeling. It's like it a, comes off as a, accept it because I say so. I'll just never. I'll never get that. I'll never understand it personally. It just doesn't mean anything to me. It means more to me than the Capitals Penguins series. That, they, that didn't happen. That was not a thing. And by the way, that meant nothing to me either. Make that very clear. The, the Bruins series. Although I happened to see an old friend on Friday night, and he wanted to watch the game, so I'm like, all right, we'll go to a bar where the game happens to be on. Thankfully, it was on right next to the Orioles game, so I had something to watch too. All right, uh, today's show is also brought to you by Glory Days Grill. They're celebrating their 25th anniversary, and you get all the gifts, which is it's amazing. You get this incredible menu with the uh, oh, smoky thigh wings and the barbecue chicken bowl with ancient grains, plus, uh, I mean, come on, man. How are you not gotten over there for the silver anniversary IPA, the turtle cheesecake, the strip steak sandwich, the zucchini fries, the double bacon and cheddar burger? It's all at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, glorydaysgrill.com, in order to find out more. Uh, Evan Washburn is going to join us in a little bit. We're going to talk about the lacrosse final four being set, and we're going to talk some Ravens as well. Before we do that, had the opportunity right before the show started to catch up with Fred Funk to tell us a little bit more about just how marvelous what Phil Mickelson did was this weekend. We'll talk to him now, right here on Glenn Clark Radio. And, of course, big story this weekend as Phil Mickelson at the age of 50 wins the PGA Championship down at Kiwa. Our next guest knows a thing or two about winning and playing really good golf at an older age. Is Not only did he win a PGA event after he joined the uh, Champions Tour, but he also made the cut last year, I'd say, I think at what, the age of uh, 44, I think is exactly what Fred Funk was when he did that. And he joins us now here on GCR. Freddie, it's Glenn. It's always great to chat with you, sir. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. 
Yeah, no problem. The cut in Bermuda was 64. No, that's not right, is it? That can't be possible. There's no yeah, way possible. that's true. That's, that's it, was, it was truly remarkable. Six, 64. Truly remarkable. <laughs> hey, uh, 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 Freddie, as you're watching this this weekend, were, were your thoughts, this is truly amazing, or was it more maybe that, that we don't understand just how much more possible it might be in this sport for someone who's really good to be able to compete at this point? Yeah, I think that's more the answer. I don't think um, it's that. I mean, it's remarkable that he broke that record, but I don't think it's going to be that unusual for guys to compete to actually win and knock it knock it down and get through the finish line was really special. But uh, you know, Phil stayed in good shape. He's uh, been pretty much injury free most of his career, and he's extremely long now. He's always been a big hitter. Yeah, but he's been training to hit it a long way, and I think he had the longest drive of the week on 16. Yep, yesterday, and then on Saturday when he was playing those first 11 holes were as good as it gets. I mean, it was ridiculous. See, I never seen Phil play with that much control of his golf game, and then also his emotions. He was really kind of a, a flatliner. He just went in. I'm not going to react to good. I'm not going to react to bad. Um, it was just. I'm just going to plot along, and he, and he did that all week long. Although he had gave an interview that I heard this morning that he said he was trying to stay committed to every shot, and he didn't the first six holes yesterday, and his brother got in his face and said, hey, you know, if you're going to win this thing, we got to commit to every shot and not try to back off, not try to steer it. And that's what he was doing uh, all week long, and then he reset and, and really played well for that next six or seven holes. He got himself some separation and but it did show how hard it is to win a tournament you get a five shot lead you think you're rocking and rolling you're off off and running right. and bye-bye field and then everybody comes back he comes back and they come towards him and it's hard to win one he is former turp fred funk he's with us on gcr fred with that in mind it, is it that it's 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 more viable for phil mickelson to win a tournament at 50 because of who he is or it's is it more viable that other guys could be doing this at this age too, that the game has just changed to allow more players longevity within the sports? Well, that's an interesting question because right now I believe the way these kids are swinging, they're swinging so hard, so dynamic, ballistic type movement that I don't know whether bodies will hold up okay. to age 50. The motivation may not be there at age 50. Um, it takes a special breed to want to, do the work that Phil's doing at age 50 to do that. So I don't think many guys are going to have that hunger at age 50 to do it. And their bodies may not hold up because just the way the game is right now, they're, they're all swinging pretty violently. Um, I don't know whether backs can, can take that. And then mentally it takes a real special breed to do that. And I just don't know. It, it'll, it'll still be very rare. It's just the guys that take care of themselves their bodies could be okay at age 50. Uh, it, it just, that's the, oh man, that's a little dichotomy of, okay, yeah, you can really take care of yourself, but then you got the motivation and then all this training they're doing now, how long are they going to be able to hold up? Fred, you you know you know a thing or two about this, right? Like you you as uh, Phil joined a, a list of you and Craig Stadler of players that won a PJ event after having won a Champions Tour event in their careers. What, what was it like for you? And I, and I get it. This wasn't the PGA Championship that you won at that point. It wasn't quite the same field at the Mayakoba Classic. But 
Um, what was it like for you at that point? Did you feel differently, or did you just sort of feel like, well, heck, three years ago I was playing on the other tour anyway. It's not all that different. Well, I played my best golf from 44 to 52, right. three. Right. And and by far that was my best uh, dynamics that I had with my game, where my mind and my game and my um, – Everything was just matching up. I was in a good place in life. I was in a good place with my body, and I was in a good place where I felt like I belonged. And uh, and I had total control of my game during that time. So, yeah, that was I was comfortable out there at that point. Uh, I just came off of you know winning the players at almost age forty nine. I played uh, two Presidents Cups and one Ryder Cup in that little stretch, and um, you know something I never thought I would ever do. So. Yeah, I think if you can stay motivated, and that's going to be the key. It's it's just motivation. I I worked harder then. I always worked hard in my career, but I really worked hard during that time. I was trying to wow. keep it going as long as I could do it. So the look, the big question. This this was amazing, and and if this is all it is, if this is the end for Phil, it's going to be a remarkable story. We'll remember him winning this one, you know, forever. But you know how this goes. There's still the one thing that's missing for Phil, which of course is winning a U.S. Open. And all of a sudden, it becomes a, hey, we didn't think that was going to be possible at all. We thought those days were over. Do we need to revisit that as we look towards Torrey Pines? Yeah, it's fun to, fun to um, think of what could be. And he could do it. He could knock it off. I mean, he's, he's playing great right now. I've never seen him. Like I said, I've never seen him have the control of the golf ball. He did uh, last week at a course, Kiwa, which is very difficult golf course. To uh, if you don't keep it in play, you're done. You're just dead. Right. You can't hit it where uh, you can't even find it. A lot of times when it's uh, out of play, and and uh, the defense is the win. They had enough wind to be a factor, and and he played beautiful golf. Even on 17, when he hit that tee shot on that par three on Sunday, that was a good tee shot. And there's no margin of error on that thing. It just rolled over into that horrendous lie in the back and he did a great yeah, he job recovered okay there. yeah <laughs> yeah he did that yeah. was a scary shot because that could have gone kind of anywhere yeah no doubt about it no doubt it could have gone anywhere i mean by the way the, the shots that he hit this week you know the, the one obviously early on yesterday the the knock it in from the bunker i mean it's just like it he looked like the best player in the world playing golf during the course of the week and he really did like he did not look in any way like he was anything other than vintage phil mickelson during the course of this weekend yeah, he did. He looked. I think he looked better than vintage <laughs> because I, he, that's fair. He, he he did. He really did. He played just a. He was a different Phil. He was uh, totally focused and he was totally in control. Um, it, it was remarkable to see the quality of golf that he was playing. Fred, is it? There are people that watched this weekend and said, "Hey, this is the reason why I don't necessarily think that it's just over for Tiger Woods." That you know, if if he is able to come back, and I don't know exactly where he is physically, and if it's even possible, I, I'm be, be, I'm guessing based on what you told us earlier, not quite, the injuries are a significant difference that would make it a bit more difficult for someone like that to continue to compete on into his fifties than it would for Phil Mickelson. Oh, a lot harder. Um, I'm struggling with the back, and nobody's talking about it since the accident what happened to his back. Uh, you don't roll over two or three times and, and have a back that he had that probably was not affected by that. And obviously he crushed his ankle and that engine coming through the firewall and just crushed his leg. Uh, that's not good. But if there's one guy in this whole planet that yeah. can come back and play at a high level, it's that guy. 
um, I always said that uh, healthy Tiger Woods is better than anybody that's ever played the game. And uh, not that he'll ever be the same that he ever was, but uh, he came back pretty healthy from the one when nobody said he was going to come back. And I believe he was going to win again, and I believe he was going to win a major, and he did both. I told everybody that. I said, if he's healthy, he'll he'll win. And, and, and Phil, you put him in the same category. He is healthy, and he's got this level of confidence. And he's a strange guy. I mean, Phil's, I love the guy, but he's, he's out on another planet. He can uh, – <laughs> he thinks different than everybody else and he gives great interviews and you kind of listen to him. And you go, what is he thinking? Uh, but it, it's him. That's, you know, they call him Phil the thrill. And, uh, there's a reason for that. You, uh, I know he didn't, you know, the weekend didn't go the way that he wanted it to go, but are you a believer that Jordan Spieth is back at this point, Freddie? I do. He's putting himself in position almost every week. He's still not driving the ball. I don't think as good as he needs to, but golly, he seems to be on the, first page of the leaderboard every week and uh, at some point in the tournament and usually late recently so uh, yeah I think he's back uh, to a point where he'll be competing a lot he just he's, he's another different bird he's he's got a different mental attitude and he just he was playing at a tiger level early nobody was played as good as um, tiger ever did in that one area right. except for speed when he came out and uh, that that was unexpected and it was fun to watch and then before I let you go, and I always appreciate the time, Fred Funk, I wanted to talk to you about Caves because, I mean, this is going to be an amazing event that we've got in our backyard here coming up here in August. And I know you were just there playing a pretty significant event a couple years ago. How, how, how much do you think Caves is ready for prime time? And there's a lot of people that think even beyond the BMW, there's a chance that this could be like a tryout for, for hosting a major at some point. Like, what do you make of Caves as being a venue for uh, for high-level major championship golf? I think Caves is very much qualified for that. It's a beautiful piece of land and a really, really good golf course, and they can set it up pretty much any way they want to to make it as difficult or as scorable as they want it to be. It's got the length. It's uh, I think it's a fantastic venue, and um, I, I'm proud of it because it's a Maryland <laughs> You sure, know, of course, right. Area. So uh, it, it's it's very special place. It seems like you were having fun at the senior players a couple years ago. If I remember correctly, you seemed to really enjoy being there for it, right? It's... Yeah, I did. I was hurting, though. I, my back was really bad during that time, and, and it still is. But, uh, yeah, I, somehow I, I pulled a miracle off. I, I should have <laughs> <laughs> I finished third or fourth or whatever I finished. Yeah. And, and, and it was something where I, I could barely even swing. I was, wow, I didn't know I that. Could, yeah, it was, it was, I actually broke down in tears on this, uh, what hole was that, 16? Jeez. On Saturday's round, I, I was ready to just go in, but I was playing so good, I didn't want to quit. So <laughs> You can't give that <laughs> I up. I shouldn't say playing so good, I was scoring so good. Um, it was it was pretty amazing. Well, that's awesome. Well, we can't wait. It's going to be a, a a special weekend to host the BMW, and who knows what might be coming after that for Chaos Valley. Freddie Funk, is there anything? Uh, I can, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say it, it, it will be a great event, but it will be a, uh, something that will put them on the map Yeah, and for future uh, tournaments like uh, even Ryder Cup. Jeez, I think it would be a great Ryder oh. Cup venue. Oh, you get a bunch of drunks in Baltimore hanging out for the weekend at caves, hooting and hollering and making noise. you kidding me, man? What a well, week that would be. Crab cakes and beer. Yeah, crab cakes, beer, and golf. That's Perfect. What that's what I'm talking about. It would be awesome. <laughs> Freddie Funk, what can I what can I plug for you, sir? What do you got go coming up? What do you got going on? 
Well, we got the senior PGA I'm heading to right now. I'm at the airport going to Tulsa to Southern Hills, so we got our PGA. Well, go. And, um, uh, and then we have two after that. I'm also building a golf course out in Colorado, and uh, we got all 18 holes shaped. It's going to be phenomenal. Um, then we're going to open in July of 22, and it's so exciting. It's so much fun. A dream come true, a bucket list thing that I never thought would happen, but uh, building a golf course is, has been a blast. That's, con- that's really cool. Ridiculous piece of land. That's yeah, really, really cool. Is. Congratulations, Fred. That's awesome. And hey, how about a uh, how about a shout out to the Maryland women's golf team who made the uh, the NCAA actually made it all the way. I mean, I I know there was some controversy involved with who made it through, but made it through all the way to the final, of the NCAA golf tournament this year, which is a oh, really that's fine. Awesome, that's great. I very, had no idea. I yeah, didn't know that. Very cool thing. Hey, Freddie, always appreciate you, sir. Thank you for hopping on with us for a couple minutes. Enjoy uh, Oklahoma this week. Go win another title, all right? (laughs) That'll be nice. All right, thanks, man. Thanks, Freddie. Appreciate you. (laughs) All right, take care. The great Fred Funk joining us here on GCR. Always appreciate the opportunity to catch up with him and uh, get some context as as he – you know, he knows it's impressive, but he didn't make it seem like it was the uh, eternal – overwhelming thing uh, what Phil Mickelson was able to do winning the golf tournament this weekend. All right, uh, today's show is also brought to you by Great Eights Memorabilia, Tucker Fest, June 27th at Jerry's Toyota. It's going to be an incredible day. Justin Tucker will be there. You can get your pictures. You can get your autographs. Um, get get your passes right now by going to greateightsmemorabilia.com. It's 50 bucks for your picture and autograph pass with Justin Tucker. Perhaps you've heard of him, greatest kicker of all time, going to the Hall of Fame. I think you like him around here a good bit. But on top of that, it's just a great free family fun day-long event at Jerry's with live music, Joey Harkum, Dave Teef, Dunk Tank, Jeremy Kahn's getting the Dunk Tank. He'll join us a little bit later on. Um, there's also going to be a cornhole tournament. There's going to be food trucks, live broadcasts, the whole deal. Jerry's Toyota, June 27th. GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. It's number eight, GreatEightsMemorabilia.com, in order to find out more and to get your passes for the meet and greet with Justin Tucker. And while you're there, you can find out more about their private signings that they have coming up with you know Joe Flacco, Anquan Bolden, guys I think you like, as well as details are starting to come in about an amazing event they're going to be doing uh, coinciding with the state fair this year, bringing out some new Baltimore football players to the state fair those details are still coming in. You'll be finding out more about that. Great8sMemorabilia.com. From Tony. Tony says, Glenn, um, I'm with you in that I don't think it's the end of the world that the Orioles are losing. I think it's the nature of how they're losing that's so disappointing. They're getting big leads and blowing them. It's just tough to watch. I mean, yeah. I... I I guess what I would say is, what did you think was going to happen when the team only had one pitcher? What, what, this is what happens when you put together a team that has one pitcher. Some people thought maybe the bullpen could be okay this year. I mean, that's fine. You still you have to have more than one starting pitcher. It, it's just not, I will not be emotionally impacted by Matt Harvey or Jorge Lopez getting rocked. It does nothing to me. It, it, it's just irrelevant. They're not really Orioles. They're guys that are wearing the jersey this year until they hope they have real players in the future. I, I, it just, and honestly, it's probably the best case scenario is that the offense still looks pretty good. Some of the players that you think might be a part of this long term, Mount Ryan Mountcastle's hit a little bit of late. Like that's a best case scenario 
where the pitching, which we knew was going to be a problem, is a problem. It just can't I can't get me worked up. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit more. We were talking earlier on about the uh, NCAA Lacrosse Final Four being set. Our next guest, of course, you know him and love him as the international sideline sex symbol on CBS. But on top of that, he also is a part of the LAC Sportsnet crew. And I know they're doing pre- and post-game shows for the Final Four this weekend. For those of you that are really into lacrosse, including there's the Maryland-Duke game that's relevant to people around here. He is our friend Evan Washburn, and he's back with us here on GCR. Evan, it's Glenn and Kyle. It's always good to chat with you, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Absolutely. It's been too long, fellas. It's been way too long, man. What a a weekend it was. I mean, other than the Virginia game, obviously, which was – but what an unbelievable weekend it was. For those of us that are invested locally, you know, know, uh, I know you do a lot with Loyola. I do a ton with Loyola. That was, you know, heartbreak. I mean, it was just – it was a, a damn good weekend of lacrosse, of close, high-level games between really good teams. It's a shame there was so much else going on this weekend in the sports world because, holy crap, man, it, it, it really the, – the three or four games this weekend really brought in. Absolutely. And, I mean, I would start, to your point, with, uh, with that Loyola game. I mean, the Rutgers game was, was had equal amounts of drama, um, especially down the stretch, but – that Loyola game, just based off of their story, and I know you call a lot of their games, and I've done a bunch as well because we did a Patriot League yep. at CBS Sports Network, and to see where they were and then do the Georgetown game and then be in Bethlehem when their championship got canceled and they had a forfeit and to be basically a clear away from going to the Final Four is, is unbelievable. So, yeah, heartbreak, but also, I mean, absolute credit to, to the, the players most notably but also charlie Toomey and his staff no I mean, question. That, that's as good a job of coaching and just galvanizing 18 to 23 year olds as i've ever seen no question no question about it um and and, and as far as maryland's concerned i do think evan there was a, a, a what's going to happen when they have to take a step up in competition and it's not to take a knock at rutgers who you know nearly made it to the final four themselves but I, I just don't think we knew. And they got really tested, right? They, they get out of the comfortable lead. They end up falling behind by three. In a weird way, it feels like they were better suited to go through something like that this weekend than they would have been to just cruise against Notre Dame. It, it kind of felt like they needed that against a really good team to know comfortably, know we really can play with everyone in the country and beat everyone in the country, not just the Big Ten teams. And the challenges go beyond just, I mean, the opponent. They were playing on the road at Notre Dame's home field. And so, I mean, things were clearly aligned against them. And I would agree to, to get over that hump for all these teams of the quarterfinals, as I know you've heard before, is the most stressful. I mean, the goal is to win a national championship, but the reality is getting to championship weekend yeah. is probably the hardest part. And so for Maryland to be able to do that amidst all of those uh, challenges speaks to, to how good they are. And, and I think also it, it affirmed, and I, I'd love to give credit to who it was, but I, I saw they brought up the point that I think Jared Bernhardt's been in our lives for so long, but he hasn't gotten the Pat Spencer type uh, moniker because sure. it, it seemed like a gradual growth to this point, but Man, this year and down the stretch here and in that game, I mean, he's making plays to me that that put him 
in that level of lacrosse player that we can look back on in five to ten years and be like, oh, that was one of the generational guys. That's a great point. He was point. like a pal. He was like a Spencer. He was like a Raven. That's, it's a great point, Evan. I mean, he really deserves – just the things that he's capable of doing, the movement, the get out in front, get top side, that – the athleticism, it really is. It's remarkable to watch that dude play. And they were talking on the broadcast yesterday about where where he might rank among all-time great Maryland players. And, you know, you think of the Ursos more recently, the Matt Rambos, and, you know, Joe Walters was a joy to watch play the game of lacrosse yeah. a few years back. But, like, there, there really is an argument that he is, especially if they go on to win a national championship, and I know we're a ways away from that, that he is as good as those guys and is at least worthy of that conversation, if not separating himself in some way. And, and I like the, the layer, too, and, and there was some of this with Rabel and some of this with guys like Miles Jones, but he's the next level. Spencer's proven to be it because of what he's now doing as a basketball player. I mean, I love what Matt Rambo was and continues to be in the PLL. I mean, he's one of the best players in the world. Yeah. But he doesn't look like a guy who could go play college football next year uh, if he wanted to. No. Um, and I know that was part of the plan for, for Bernhardt before things got wacky with the pandemic. Um, so I just I, I love that, that layer to it as well. It's like when the game pivoted to not just being one of skill and one of where you grew up, but more of like, are you – a bigger, stronger, faster athlete because he has all of that mixed in with the, the skill side. There's no question about it. It's, it's a joy to watch that dude play. Evan Washburn is with us, Slack Sports Network, and, of course, uh, NFL for CBS. E Evan, look, I, I guess Carolina is the team, right, because going into the tournament they were the team, but – you know, they, 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 they needed uh, some good fortune in order to survive this weekend. Obviously, Virginia looked the best of any, everyone against a Georgetown team that we all thought was ready to make a Final Four run themselves. I, I think we largely go into next weekend saying there's four teams that, for the most part, kind of all have about an equal chance of winning a national championship, right? It's... Absolutely. And, and that's kind of been the discussion all season long, that there was five teams for four spots. The top five kind of would eat itself a little bit, and then there was a, a real drop-off. And, and I thought Georgetown, to your point, kind of crept into that discussion of being a team. Man, the way they're playing here, that they could do something special. But it, it's, it's worked out the way many, many thought. And that's what made to where we started this weekend so crazy, because there's another version of events where the Final Four is Rutgers, includes Rutgers and Loyola, which uh, – would have totally uh, bucked the, the sort of general <laughs> right. opinion about the season and, and how top-heavy it was. But, look, this is where we are, and I do think all four of these teams could, could walk away national champion. It, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to preview, which right. I know we'll do some of, and you'll do some of this week, and we'll do some of it Saturday, uh, because you can make a, a, a really good case for, for all four, but the beauty of it, too is that for the fans it'll be uh which we are as well um just a, a it should be two great games i'm guessing the the lax vegas guys will probably like if they did this they would probably install carolina as like a slight favorite but gee, you know i what are we talking about them having a 28 percent chance instead of a 25 percent chance i really do think it's that close i mean if virginia plays the way they play oh no georgetown, doubt man and no i doubt. thought georgetown just had everything working against them in a lot of ways but man they, they look like Virginia, not just 2019, but maybe, you know, back in the, the heyday, too, when, when they were rolling um, in, in the most fun team on whether it's grass or for turf. 
Right. I know. I know. Losing their faceoff guy really hurt Georgetown on um, on Saturday. It's not the entirety of the story of what happened. Virginia's probably going to win that game no matter what. But you're right. You're right. They play like that. They can beat anybody. There's no question about it. Hey, hey, Evan, while I've got you, you know, there's been, I'm sure you've heard over the last week, there's been a lot of percolations about Julio Jones and his future and a lot of people who look around and say, don't the Ravens make a lot of sense? Like, And I'm, I'm writing about it today at PressBoxOnline.com because I, I, I can't shake it. I can't shake how much sense it seems to make, which, you know, if, if I'm a betting man, I'm not betting on it happening because – there's 32 teams in the NFL. He's on one of those 32 teams, not the Ravens. It's just it wouldn't make sense to bet something like that. And, yes, they've already done a lot at wide receiver this offseason, and they might just say, hey, look, you know, we've done what we're going to do. We went and got a Sammy Watkins. We used a first-round pick on a wide receiver. We have done, we've done more than we've ever done before already at the wide receiver position in one offseason. But I, I can't shake it, Evan. It really does seem like a really unique opportunity to get a player – that might not cost you as much as it typically would cost to get this type of player because the team you're dealing with is in such cap hell. I can't shake the notion that this is logical. This is not just speculating about a player for speculation's sake, which we've done so much of over the year in this part. So I, I want it to happen because I think it would be fun and it would offer so much of, uh, for all the reasons we've, like things to, to happen that create discussion points that are real and aren't contrived. I, I, I'm not there though with you that I think it, it's so logical. I, if for both Julio Jones, who I know doesn't necessarily have, uh, can't dictate this, but I mean, he would have a say in things if money becomes an issue. Right. And it already is an issue. As I understand it, I try and stay somewhat away from all the cap stuff because it's out of my depth as a I get uh, failed mathematician seven times over. Um, but it just seems like they'd have to do a lot to make this happen, and I'm not sure the return is what you would want for all of that, whether it be um, financial or just somewhat stressful. And I know that's part of the job because it, it would seem to me you're doing all of this. Are you truly going to be a different offense? I mean, is this going to mean that all that has been successful while not, inevitably to the, the level that the fans or the, the team would want, making it to a Super Bowl or winning one. But it's been really productive yep. and successful. Yep. Why put yourself through all of this to add something that I just don't see markedly making you that much better if you're going to do a lot of the things you've done the past couple of years that, again, have been very productive? So I agree with you in this. I, I don't think they're changing their offense, right? I, I you know, we talked about it a million times. Can they tweak it? Can they, you know, run some different concepts? Can they throw in a couple different – but I don't think we're, you're suddenly looking at a team that wants to throw the ball 35 or 40 times a game or that it even makes sense if that's the case. I, to, to the Julio side of things, that everybody I've talked to down in Atlanta paints the picture of Julio's good now. Like, he, he's not worried – like other – you know, you've, you've struggled to get receivers to come to Baltimore. Why? Because they know they're not going to catch the ball nearly as much. The sense that I've gotten from everyone in Atlanta is Julio's over that. Like, it's just not – that is not an issue any longer for him. He knows he's in the Hall of Fame. His legacy is safe. There's not another contract, a big-money contract, to be earned at this point in his life. The thing that matters now is winning. And that could be window dressing. It could be that, you know, that's what he wants people to think and that 
you know, he's still a wide receiver at heart, and, and, and we don't know how wide receivers operate, and he wouldn't feel that way. But the word is that he really took on to being a mentor a year ago for Calvin Ridley, that, that he's just in a different place in his life, and the priorities aren't quite the same, and it seems like that would fit. And, and I get what you're saying about, you know, d does it really change you in a drastic way? I think it changes you in those margins, Evan, that, that if there's one fair critique still about Lamar Jackson and the other stuff that people try to critique is nonsense, but the one fair critique can still be he's not a great thrower of the football outside the numbers, which is, is a hard thing to do, obviously. Doesn't this make you drastically better to have someone you can count on in those situations to try to help Lamar become a better thrower outside the numbers in the situations where you do that? So here's the thing. If you tell me, because I think all those are great points, and I would agree wholeheartedly that if you just transport Julio Jones, and I would agree with the people in Atlanta, my minimal um, interactions with him, but also just, you know, talking to teammates, I mean, he is about as about winning and none of the other noise as, as you'll find. But I need to be told that I don't have to give up a first-round pick. Right. I don't have to restructure a bunch of contracts. Right. I don't have to again, go bend over backwards that, and make uh, impacts that are going to last a lot longer uh, yep. than Julio's impact would be on the field, then I'm all for it. Yep. But as it's been described to me, or at least reported by those that are well-informed, those things aren't the situation as it stands right now. So, I, you know, again, I, we saw uh, Jeff Schultz from The Athletic who said that he believes the Falcons not only are – um, are accepting that they won't be able to get a first-round pick for Julio Jones because of the cap situation, but that they might even need to take on somebody else's contract in a deal in order to get it done. Like, those are the types of things. And, and by the way, when I say these things, the other thing that comes to mind is, well, why wouldn't everybody be jumping at this then? Yeah, <laughs> right? like, that sounds pretty good. Right? Like, if, if Julio <laughs> Jones is really available and you don't have to give up a first-round pick and they would take back some money from you in order to make it work – why is he not Delta already? They definitely have that response, which so it makes you believe it might be too good to be true. To an extent, I agree with what you're saying, which is you can't, you can't upend everything about your program to try to do it. But when I say it feels like the, the situation, if these things are true, if you really can have Julio Jones for some package of picks that isn't a first-round pick and – or maybe it's a mid-round pick and they love Deshaun Elliott, for example, something like that – I like Deshaun Elliott, but I do it. You know what I mean? Like, I would do it if those things are true that we're hearing reported right now. In a, in a football sense, it makes sense. It, it, it's the other stuff that's also always part uh, of this. But like I said out of the gate, I, I hope it happens because ah, no I, doubt. I think that it would add a layer of intrigue to this team uh, that already is, I find, not just because we're living in it and uh, a you know, victim of um, our own bubble here, but it, it makes them one of the more interesting teams heading into uh, heading into this season. No so, doubt about it. Um, but it, it also feels like for it to happen in Baltimore, it, it I feel like it's going to. They're just so prudent about this. Whether it was Ozzy and now Eric, and you know, obviously Harbs too. It's just they're going to they're going to wait it out. I mean, their patience is one of their, sure. their greatest strengths. Sure, they're not they're not the first one rushing up to say, "What is it? Here it is. You can have it." In order to get Julio Jones. <laughs> Um, so you'll, will you guys be in studio or in Hartford this weekend? Where are you going to be? I'm going to be in Baltimore. I'm, uh, despite being, uh, you know, and it's great to see fans back and things happening. Um, you know, we're still doing some stuff remotely. Okay. So I, I'll be, uh, in my nice little home office set up. And, uh, yeah, uh, I think the plan is to, to 
do a couple hours uh, prior to the games, and then everybody obviously watches them, and then we'll hop back on afterwards and, you know, dive in. I know they've always been, um, Black Sports Network's always been, I don't know if it's the exclusive home, but one of the homes for all the press conferences. Um, so I know that that's a big part of the coverage as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I, 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 uh, I wish that I could do some of these games, but um, obviously ESPN, and they do a great job, and I, lo- I love all those guys over there. Um, but if this is, uh, you know, a nice little second-place option, um, I'll take it. Uh, it's yeah. It, 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 by the way, you get the Super Bowl sometimes, so I think you're going to be okay, Evan. Uh, how how has your son handled your remote work from home? Has he have there been any issues? No, he's been pretty good about it. Um, and we did. I, I actually, for the first time, I mean, everything's a lot for the first time. But I we called all of our sports network games before the Patriot League tournament. We were in our respective homes, and I'd never done a game as an analyst from uh, a remote setup, especially not my house. Uh, and, I mean, surprisingly, it went, it went well. Uh, there was no interruptions. And uh, there were funny aspects, though, where you'd come down at halftime because you had, like, a 10-minute break and you're still, like, taking out the trash and stuff. So <laughs> it, it really uh, it makes you feel a lot less important and special like you do when you're on site doing something. Uh, when uh, the uh, chores uh, yeah. still exist. Like, are you serious? I got, I, an entire country is watching me right now, and you're asking me about the trash? Like, what are you uh, talking Well, if about? it's full, Glenn, as you know, it's Amen. the right thing to do. You can't just, there's, no, there's nothing worse than full trash, and you try and shove something on top for the next person, you, you, you notably s- your wife. You say that. That's, that that's, is what uh, my wife does in my house. My wife, I posted about this recently, she does not believe in breaking down boxes in the recycling bin. She has, like, some deeply held religious belief that she thinks the Supreme Court has ruled that she does not need to break down a box. So I'll walk in to the back room and I'll say, it's stacked, like, 10 feet high. What are you doing? And she's all she does now is Amazon. Ever since this started, she's just everything yeah. is Amazon. So we just have nothing but boxes upon boxes Ooh. upon boxes yeah, sitting in our back room. She doesn't break them down. Need never breaks them down. About that. Yeah, I need I need somebody who's willing to have a conversation about. It's just not. There's how no effect of like a before and after where it's like, look how much space this was taking up now. Oh, she freaked out when I got it all in the recycling bin. She's like, "How?" I said, "You just break down the boxes. <laughs> do you never I work?" I think we need to because everyone's doing so much ordering that I don't think it's going to change. The recycling bin needs to get bigger. I, I mean, that, I know you're right about. You're got, right about that. Yeah, got enough space, but man, I mean. By, like, Tuesday, or I should say, so we get our recycling out on Wednesday and or Thursday morning. By, like, Saturday, it's full. And yep. I'm like, we still got four more days You're- to get to... You're 100% right. This is something we should start working on. We should start reaching out to people so we're ahead on this curve. So they associate with us with this. You're 1,000% accurate. It should be called like the Glenn Clark legislation or something. No, we can share. It could be the the Washburn Clark. This was your idea. I'm willing to share this with you. I I propose it should be a square. Green uh, sort of uh, initiative here, too. I mean, it's. it's, it's all Think good. about Everybody it. Pins. People will constantly like have like an extra box that they take yeah. to the curb, and that box, oh, if it's windy, might fly away. Yeah, correct. And Is, so now we are helping the environment. Are your recycling way. receptacles square or circular? 
Square. Square good. for me. Good. I'm just making sure because that, that's the <laughs> right side. It should be a square. I don't understand why it's awkward if you have a circle. Well, I don't disagree with that, but I don't know. You can't go all used. That's that's when they're square. You can like push it. It's exactly right. You can really stuff it in those circumstances. This is the radio we're doing for you guys today. We're doing recycling bin radio. Then we finally got something that matters. A new podcast that that Evan and I are going to do moving forward is recycling radio right here. That's the plan. Um, uh, give him a follow on Twitter, like, like you're not, at Evan Washburn. Uh, always appreciate you, pal. Thank you for hopping on with us this morning. Let's talk it, again guys. soon, all right? Enjoy the game. Thanks, bud. You too. Evan Washburn, love that guy. Always appreciate him taking the time for us. He's a great dude. He makes a great point. It's time for bigger recycling bins. It's a good point. He's not – this is – I I haven't thought about it, but to use the same recycling bins that we are using pre-pandemic, nonsensical. I hear you. It's over. I hear you. We're, we're getting more shipments. We're getting more boxes. Your, uh, your, your, your trash can on the curb. It should you know? fit as at least as much I agree. as your trash can. I agree. I got a heavier I'm, I'm, duty. A, I'm, a, I'm in the game where I just I live alone, right? So it's a little different. Mm-hmm. And I don't shop so on Amazon. You sort of live alone. I do. You sort of live alone. I handle my girlfriend's recycling. That's my I, job, right? But it's a different story. At my house, when it's recycling day, I just can take a... A paper bag from the grocery store and throw what I got in there. I do not. I do not have that issue. Yeah, I have a different issue. I have entirely too much. We don't have to take a break. Oh, by the way, I we have. Oh, we have two two breaks still to take. We do have to. Is he okay? I text him. He should be fine. All right, fine. We'll take a break. Uh, By the way, Julio Jones was called by Shannon Sharp while he was on air. Yeah. Uh, He was like, "Oh, let's call him." Called him, picked up, said, "I'm out of Atlanta. I want to win." That's that's that lines up with everything that we've we've known about Julio Jones. I think it's – I can't shake it. would probably it. take more than only a second for the Ravens to do it, though. Because you're going to have am, multiple teams offering seconds. I'm you, really – Madden, Madden players can tell you. I, well, I'll take I, but I'm I interested, think it's going to be worse. But I'm interested in the player conversation. And how much he has – No, I mean, in the side of it that Jeff Schultz brought up on Friday. Oh, where you give somebody back. And where where they be? They are accepting that it might have to be a, a player side. Well, like, Breer reported this morning that it was a – they were initially asking for a first before the draft. Of course Saw that there was not going to come back, and now they would be, quote-unquote, willing to take a second. Kind but of the thing. question becomes, if it's a second and – and I'm not, I'm not trying to run Deshaun Elliott out of town. Let me make that very clear. It's unique, right? I, I would. I brought up Sammy Watkins last week. Sammy Watkins is all dead money. It doesn't help the Ravens in any way. Now, if that's what the Falcons want, sure. If they just then, then you got to do other things in order to make it work for you cap wise. Mm-hmm. But Sammy Watkins is dead. It will be a player you acquired who will only ever be dead space on your cap at that point. Yep. The only savings there's not a lot of savings to be had at this. But that's the problem. The Ravens were cap wise. They did everything they were going to do in the savings department. So there could be some savings with Patrick Card. Right. But do you know a team that's looking to acquire a fullback in the NFL? Like I do, I don't really want to give him up either. But if the Ravens were say in love with Ben Mason sure. and think that he can be the answer, and I, then I would do it. I just can't fathom the Falcons thinking that you know Ricard is the guy. Um, but Deshaun Elliott is fascinating, right? He's a guy that's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. You spent all this year talking about the need to upgrade at safety anyway. If you think you're losing him, and they like him. Could Deshaun Elliott, who's only going to save you about $2.5 million, not quite $2.5 million, but that's an important $2.5 million when you got to get Julio Jones under the cap, could that be the answer if you would believe... Would that be an uh, expectation that it would be more Jimmy Stevens? S- it'd be more Jimmy Smith Stevens. than Stevens yeah. playing safety at that point. Like, you'd have to be willing to, to make... Now, once upon a time, we didn't know about Deshaun Elliott. Sure. I hear you. Right? But I get it. Like, they were... 
it's, he had heard by that point that he was beloved and that right, everyone the, the like, talked about he how was good he could be. I, and I don't. You'd have to feel strongly I understand. about you would these have things. To, or you'd have to make the decision that you think what you get from Julio Jones is worth whatever the risk you'd be taking. And, at or that whatever position, else might still be out there at safety that you say, sure. if in, a, in an emergency, this guy could also help us too, yeah, right? It's tricky because I think that's more of a free safety than a strong yeah, safety. Yeah, probably. Probably the case. Right. But I, I'd be willing to talk about it if that's the difference. If it's the difference in trying to make something happen. I'm writing about it today at PressBoxOnline.com. Today's show, God, we are so far behind. Brought to you by Window Nation. Glenn Clark for Window Nation. Get 50% off all styles of windows, plus no money down, no payments, and no interest for 24 months. 866-90NATION or visit WindowNation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you Window Nation, the perfect fit. We'll come back in, and uh, Jeremy Kahn is going to join us next from 105.7 The Fan. Maybe help us make some more money tonight. We'll see. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce Silver Anniversary New York Strip Steak, the Smoky Thigh Wings, a Double Bacon and Cheddar Burger, the Strip Steak Sandwich, Barbecue Chicken Bowl, and their Silver Anniversary Turtle Cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's Silver Anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online, when a trip to Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather Weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. Guys, we're almost there. As a lot of people have said, we are at the 10-yard line, but the COVID-19 pandemic is not quite over so we need to continue to be vigilant do the right things including wearing our masks and if we're gonna wear them why wouldn't we wear masks that represent our favorite teams and players home team masks available right now pressboxonline.com slash masks we got a purple and orange state flag neck gator for you as well as the celebrate 8 mvp neck gator and an over-the-ear faded distress state flag and traditional colors mask they're available pressboxonline.com slash masks let's get this this over with wear our masks home team masks baseball is back in full in 2021 and the bat around has got you covered from bell to bell hi i'm paul valley and you can catch me along with my co-host zach goodman every saturday morning from 10 to 12 on the bat around right here at press box sports we'll break down every win every loss and everything in between plus tell you who we take to rake each week as the orioles look to get back in the hunt and bring competitive baseball back to baltimore catch us at pressboxonline.com slash the bat around or at facebook.com slash press box sports that's the bat around every saturday morning from 10 to 12 right here at press box sports it takes time to get rich flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of colombia and brazil to royal farms but less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world because royal farms new swiss made coffee machines grind those rich flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time it's why royal farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world real fresh real fast royal farms 
Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. Nothing but a couple of you guys have asked. I'll get to some of those topics later on. Before Remind me that we'll talk about Bino. We'll talk about a couple other things that people have asked about before the show ends. But right now, it's a Monday. I mentioned this guy. He's going to be in the, the dunk tank. He's doing it to help raise money for the Brigance Brigade at Tucker Fest on June 27th at Jerry's Toyota. You can get your tickets to meet Justin Tucker, your pictures and your autographs, right now at GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. But the whole day is just a family, free family event with live music from Joey Harkum and Dave Teef and a live broadcast and a cornhole tournament. And, yeah, the dunk tank. And Jeremy Kahn is going to be there for you to dunk him. So get your tickets right now. Or just show up at Jerry's Toyota on June 27th for Tucker Fest. Jeremy Kahn, 105.7 The Fan, with us on GCR. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm good. So I, I'm now just remembering I did commit to that. Yes, so you are in. <laughs> you can't get out of it now. You are yeah. in. That's the way it's going. Well, you're raising money for the Brigance Brigade, which is a wonderful thing. So they're thing. dunking my cornhole? or how? Yeah, exactly the way that that works. You nailed it. That's okay. exactly what they're going to do. I don't know all the rules yet. I'll find that out from Chris before we yep. get to the day. But... Yeah, you're going to be in there, and people can knock you into the water. Uh, I got. We were just talking about this. Uh, Evan Washburn comes up with a really good point. It is time for larger recycling bins. What say you? We're all ordering things now constantly. Ever since the pandemic began, we have more recycling than we had previously. It's time for the recycling bin community to step up and respond and get us bigger, larger recycling bins. It's quite the controversy. What say you about it? No, I mean, I think there should be. And, and the, the funny thing with us moving to, um, you know, Glen Burnie and Anne Arundel County, like, they automatically give us a gigantic Wait, yellow what? recycling bin. They they yeah. give you a bin in Anne Arundel yeah, I County? I mean, may, like, maybe we just uh, had it because everybody on my street has one. I didn't buy it. Holy so smokes. I don't know. Like, I've never heard um, this before. Yeah, so we have a and, – and that damn thing is full all the time. So yeah. through a week, we end up having two separate recycling bins. Yeah, is the bin big enough is the question. I don't think and they And this are. one's huge. It's bigger than any trash can you've ever seen, and mine's full every single week. I'm telling you, man, it is, to- it is time. Evan is on to something. It's time. I'm constantly dealing with this. I also have the issue where my wife doesn't break down boxes. Like, she thinks that she doesn't yeah. have to for some reason. So I walk yeah. in. I have, to, I have to spend an hour – on Sunday nights, just breaking down all the boxes in order to get everything into the recycling bin at the end of the week. But I, I have noticed the same thing. I constantly have, like, the whole bin and then, like, one more box that might fly away because the weather sucks on a Sunday night, and I might end up losing it and, and polluting the community in the process. It's unreal. I mean, yeah. there's, you know, like, I, I'm surprised at how much we have, like, as far as recycling goes. And, you know, we're, we're pretty um, – I mean, I don't want to say we're like into it, like yeah, recycling stuff. But no, we we try to separate everything and do our due diligence. But uh, but yeah, ours is constantly full with just. And I didn't. I don't even think we have that much garbage. We probably don't even have any trash outside of recycling. Like everything is recycled. I think I it's a good point. That. I don't. No, I, you. I think it's. Like, I mean, you have trash. I, well, yes, but I think it's more. I think it's more recycling than trash for me at this point. 
Yeah. I think it is. I genuinely believe I would believe say it there's is. probably items still that I'm throwing out that I could be recycling. I still don't fully know the rules. To, like, what are the rules? You know, what are yeah, the what rules? Are the, what you know, are I still don't My know. family uses uh, both sides of the toilet paper, so that's how much we care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, double double we don't want to be wasteful. <laughs> double ply means two different squares. Yeah. That's oh, the I that's, you're supposed to use both sides. Yeah, that's, that's the West Virginia family, though. That's the, that's oh. the rule. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, where are you, before we get into uh, how you made us money again last week, and we need to make uh, some more money this week um where are you with the constant never-ending julio jones conversation well i just watched the video of i i I don't know if it was a bit or not because i don't watch their show of shannon sharp talking to him and he's like i'm out of here i just want to win he said he didn't care where he goes he wants to win now um i think he fits in beautifully with baltimore but like again they just had their draft you brought players in it doesn't mean you can't go back and you know move somebody and make something work i just it seems like a luxury and not not a necessity because of what you have to give up and what you're paying him. And then, um, but if he helps you win and you have your window now, like I don't know, I'm I'm tired of talking about it because ultimately I think again it's a luxury more so than than um, a need right now. I probably agree with that. I, the reason why I'm not tired of talking about it because I can't shake the fact that it just fe- it feels like the thing they should do. And I get everything you're saying. It, it's frankly, and what I wrote about today is why I don't think they'll do it. What, you, what you're talking about, you've done, you went out and got Sammy Watkins, and, and that part of, part of that is the problem to me. Sammy Watkins cannot be your answer as to what you did at wide receiver. But in their minds, they did it, and they drafted a receiver in the first round. Like They did, they did far more this offseason at the wide receiver position than they've ever done before. They've never both taken a receiver in the first round and signed a true free agent in the same offseason at wide receiver. It's the most they've it, ever done. It just sounds so weird. So, like, he's going to be 33 years old. 33 years old. Not until like – but it'll be 33. Like, he won't be 33 before the season. He'll be 33 yeah. next February. Like, he'll play and a season before he turns 33. So here's me, like, almost like an arbitration trying to pick apart Julio Jones, who's just – phenomenal receiver. I yeah. mean, you could easily make the case from being the best receiver in football. And in this offense, with the way that they run the ball, mm-hmm. he has to have one-on-one coverage all the time. Yep. He has to. And so, like, he does make this team infinitely better, but for how long? And again, he's already he already has a rather large contract. You're bringing him in, and what are you giving up to get it? I, I don't. It's just it's such a tough call because. Like his age worries me, and the fact that he breaks down, um, that he's had hamstring issues and lower leg issues, and that, I think that's just going to continue. But, but he's played way more than Sammy Watkins has. Right. Like and there's no, there's, there's, there's no com- paid five million for Sammy Watkins. Like you actually paid more for Willie Sneed than you did Sammy Watkins. And his contract I, so. isn't all that great. Like if he were in the, oh, in the open market, he'd be getting, he would be getting that in an average. I mean, he'd be getting fifteen a year at minimum. two years ago. Certainly, I don't know I what it would be. Now, I still think he would. I think you're right, but I mean, he's still. But I get it. The injuries are the what you look at and say, well, is it now just a steep decline? Is this a drop-off? Like, he's no longer going to be able to just play through them the right. way he has in the past. Well, and the odd know. thing, too, is, like, the Ravens are the favorites to land him, according to Vegas. Like, mm-hmm. according to the odds. But like, it, it's And that seems – I don't know. Like, I look at it, and, and trust me, I would love for him to be here. I'm just going, how do you make it work? Like, I guess financially it works. Um, does it hurt you in the end? Like, does it prohibit you at some point from signing Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson? Is there, you know, because I mean, sometimes these moves are made and then all of a sudden we don't realize the domino effect it has when you're looking at yourself financially of what you can and can't do down the line. They're just giving you, I just saw, finally sizable, saw a picture. This is a, this is a hell bin. of a recycling bin. They're just, they're just giving these to you in Anne Arundel County? County? 
seems like so is that is that my right? Did they give it to you? That seems uh, as though they do. Apparently, this is the, uh, a, you might be paying a tax for it. It's an industrial <laughs> grade. <laughs> when we say they give it to you. I'm just going to guess that the, the cost comes out somewhere. No. Like somehow you or pay maybe for like it some sort of point. HOA thing or something. I don't know. Like we moved in and I'm like, where? What is this? She goes, that's. Do you that's have Do you have thing. the circular one or do you have the big bulky? Because uh, there's apparently two different ones. Do you have the one? I got the big yellow one. The and is it on wheels? Yeah. Damn, that's a hell of a recycling bin, man. I don't have one of those. I want one of those. Where do we sign up for that? My problem here? is I can't fit anything through my alley, so I don't know where to put it. I don't yeah, know where to you put live. Any you of chose these to live in the city, Chief. That was your. That was your hey. call. That's a different conversation. We're a upset. We threw a kid in there, and they didn't take it. So <laughs> <take> it <back. laughs> God, I can't. This all I want to talk about now is, is, is stupid recycling. recycling. I'm so excited about recycling. Bins. It's funny, like you brought up recycling to me. I go, I can't believe we're talking about this, but I'm so happy to be talking about this and not other stuff. Dude, it's, <laughs> I, it's all I wanted. It, we, I have met. This is the moment that I'm in in my life. This is what I most concern about is the fact that recycling, recycling sucks any though? longer. Uh, Sunday night, Sunday. It's Monday morning. Monday morning. Monday morning. Oof. Yeah, yeah. I got to take it out every Sunday. That's night. rough. You do. It, you have those weekends where you <laughs> just forget. Don't where you, you just don't feel like it. Yeah. Right? Like You're I just, just want to sleep. On, so ours is Thursday night, and they pick it up on Friday. And like a lot of times, my wife will be working, so it's up to me. And then I forget. Mm-hmm. And she obviously gets mad at me because then we, now we have twice as much. Mm-hmm. But they do this weird thing because we live on a cul-de-sac where they like. Our trash cans are put in one spot where I figure it, it makes the most sense for them as they're looping around the cul-de-sac and just going to dump in and put it back. And the same thing with recycling. And then somehow they always wind up on the other end of the cul-de-sac. Like, it's just it's on the other side of the street. And I'm like, why the hell are my damn trash bins all the way over there? Right. It doesn't make any sense. Well, they just move them around when I'm not there. It's not okay, by the I way. Think this That's is not your, okay. This is your platform. <laughs> yeah, correct. This is the thing. Yeah. Look, Evan and I are going to start legislation. We're going to get a, my friends that, that are in, uh, in in Annapolis to start working on Larger recycling bins, so we can work on your problem for too. Correct. We can we can right. try to put all of these things yeah. in the same bill at the same time. Here and, they do that sometimes, and then we'll have a legacy here. That's no way. We'll be the guys. That's, that's what you have to leave when they talk about you years from now. Correct. When there's way too many people on <laughs> these, this planet, it's these like, men. Well, at least saw... Glenn Clark got us bigger recycling. Exactly right. That's what I want to be known for. It's better than what I've got. So what what would I have now? <laughs> what would exactly and, you you've and actually done good work? It'll be like. It will be like Seth Rogen's Evan. Like you never, you don't know who he is. You just hear about him, like his writing partner, <laughs> right. or is that Ethan? I, I don't I, know. No, 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 Evan. no. It's Evan. You're, it's Evan. Evan Goldberg, <laughs> yeah. right? That's his name. Yeah. It's so funny you say yeah. that because immediately he threw out the idea originally, and I was like, oh, I'm so on board with that. He's like, yeah, that's cool. We can call it the Glenn Clark Bill or whatever. I'm like, wait a second. I'll let you. <laughs> I'll let you have credit for this. It was actually your idea, and I realized he was just like, I don't really care all that much, yeah. Chief. This, like, is, this is your I've fight. Got, yeah. I've got real jobs. Like I've done the Super Bowl. I'm not sure where you are in your life. I will gladly take this off your. <laughs> Happy to do it. Hey, um, we've the one of the other topics we've been dealing with this morning. I do not no, I do not care when somebody says it's so good when the Knicks are good. It's better for basketball when the Knicks mm-hmm. are good. It me, I give it the eternal eye roll. I do not give a rat's ass if the Knicks are good. I care about watching good basketball. I don't care where it's being played. If your team's good, overwhelmingly, the crowds are going to be there, and they're going to be loud, and they're going to be into it when we get to the postseason. I, I'm, it doesn't mean that I don't think Madison Square Garden is kind of a magical place. I've gone to concerts there. I've gone to sporting events there. It's a really cool played spot. played on the court. No, never happened. I don't think they would ever want me to. But it means nothing to me, the idea of it being better for basketball if the Knicks are good. And I feel like if somebody said that to you about the Yankees and baseball, you would want to smack them across the room if that was the case. Does it mean something to you, the Knicks being good at basketball? Does it make the playoffs better? 
we don't ever have to say it about the Yankees because they're always good and they're always there where the Knicks aren't. So um, I, I think, I don't know, I guess for me it does. I think the big city or the big markets make sense and, and New York's one of them. Like, I like seeing them in the playoffs. I like hearing about Madison Square Gardens, all the things that, that, that matter. Um, I've never been to a concert. I've never been to a game there. I've never you know, gone to the venue, which I, I do want to, you know, I want to remedy that at some point. But, all right, I guess we're um, going. That's the way it's going to yeah. have to be. <laughs> well, I've been talking to Ed about it. I'm like, hey, when are we taking a trip to New York? It's like, when, if you're going to go to New York with someone, why not go with Ed North? Not a bad, not a bad choice, yes. Not a know, bad choice. Find all the different places to go. Maybe get a, maybe get the Goodfellas treatment where we're going in through the kitchen and yep. get a little table up front. You, you um, know you know, our boy John Minadakis did that to my wife and I one night during the pandemic because he, he was so like worried about people seeing us get a table before everybody else. He legitimately <laughs> gave us the Goodfellas treatment, and my wife was like, holy crap, I can't. Be-. Like, she, if we, she had met the Backstreet Boys, it wouldn't have meant to her what that moment meant to her. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I saw him last night. I was at Rob Long's fiftieth, and he had it at Jimmy's. And what's, I what, got a chance to talk to John. What's the what's the was was Rob like passed out or something? Did I hear a story about? Uh, oh, he may have been. I don't know. I thought I, I thought I heard a story about Rob having a day yesterday. I thought I heard oh, a story. Well, I think about that. I think he's a life med getting an IV right now to get fluid. That's that's what you got to do. That's yeah. what you got to do <laughs> after a weekend but, like that. But getting back to your point, I do like seeing the you know especially when it's a team that's been out for a while. Like I think. Um, you know, the Knicks to me ultimately are more important than a lot of other teams. I think it's important that the Lakers are in there. And I do think like, you know, talking about some of the big city teams, like it's good for them to be there. So I at least have a team to root against as well, which is ultimately important to me. And I don't think people think that way. Like I want them to get in so I can watch them lose. Oh, that's, um, that's it, how I react yeah. to the Yankees or, or like I, I say every year when Duke loses the NCAA tournament, I say, Oh, that was awesome. Except it sucks now. Because they can't lose yeah. again, right? Like that's it's the it's the height of my excitement now for March is gonna and and I feel that way about the Yankees. I just I don't know. I don't root against the Knicks. Haven't been relevant relevant enough for me to root against them, right? Like they're just kind of yeah. irrelevant to me. And they, I know Julius Randle had a hell of a season, but I don't suddenly think he's like a transcendent star that I have to tune in to watch play. R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly have high ceilings, right? Like, I think they, I think along with Randall, could exciting. be compelling if for years If you're to come. watching, they're not, to me, reasons why you have to watch, right? Like, I, I'm just not there. No, I, I think that I still think the biggest character in the Knicks is New York. Oh, I think yeah. that's the case, yes, I do. And it, that just doesn't. It just doesn't get my juices flowing the way it does everybody else. It just doesn't. God, we need your juices. Yeah, correct. I've heard that from you a few times. I've heard that from you. <laughs> um, uh, I had something else that I wanted to get to with you. I don't remember what it was. Whatever. Oh, oh, oh you know oh, what? Can, so can, you, you, I got something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I got a like. I, I didn't get to watch last night's episode of The Mayor of Easttown, which I'm not. I have not. I haven't about. watched it all yet. I yeah, haven't watched. I, I got it. it. I'm enjoying all the parodies of the accents. Well, yeah, the murder dirter yeah. thing on SNL was was tre- I didn't even ha- I didn't even know what it was, and it was still tremendous, right? Trying like to get a hoagie, yeah, correct. It was still yeah. wonderful. We're going home. You're telling all me I need shit. to I need to invest my time. It's the best show on TV. All right, it? really? damn it. All right, yep. I'll, I'll do Chad. it. Chad, I think TV. Chad like, is my favorite show on I TV like right Chad. now. I like. What Chad. is your favorite? Show? Have you watched Chad at all? The Nassim Pedrad show on TBS. The TBS comedy. No, is that the one that they like kind of modeled after pension? Yes, on yes. Hulu? yes, it's exactly yeah, what it is. That. It stands alone though. It um it turns into a different kind of awkward. That's it's a different kind of cringe. That's equally it's a enjoyable. Really good kind well, of. Yeah, I mean, they enjoyable. did that on on Pen15. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, had the... I think it might be better than. I think I might like it better than really? Pen15. Maybe I truly think I might. And I don't know because if the Pen15 how much credit you have to like, give them for doing it first, right? Like, right. But 
Chad, I think, is a – and it's more relatable for us because we're guys. Boys, so it's about yes, it's, a boy's high school experience. It's ironic that it's a female right. playing him. Right. But, like, it definitely does <laughs> speak to all of the awkwardness sure. of being a, a 14-year-old right, boy. I'll watch it. It's, I would recommend it for sure. It's go- it, the it's, other thing that – Yeah, go so, ahead. So, Mayor of Easttown is amazing. It, it, to me, it's on – I'm not telling you it's better or it's as good – as the first season of True Detective, but there's a hmm. lot of that in it. Wow. Where it's, like, really intriguing, and you're trying to... And, again, the that first season of True Detective is one of the yeah, best yeah. seasons I've ever seen of a TV show. Sure. But I really enjoy this. And then, like, I, the thing, my concern is that somebody, and it may have already happened, ruined some of the, the wow moments that happened on the show. Well, so, we already know it's a female um, horse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. But, Thank you. But the, the other thing uh, that I just watched... Was now, I thought it was Mr. Mayor. <laughs> I thought it was... <laughs> yeah, Mr. <laughs> Different. Mr. Mayor, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but no, yeah. have you watched Invincible? The um, I've heard that's good. It's the, it's on Amazon. It's, it's the, the cartoon, cartoon yeah. that superhero, uh, cartoon like, superhero thing. No, I don't even. Pretty, I don't like, think I know about and, it. Like violent a little, right? Yeah, it's like the, so. It's like the boys, and I love the, the boys version. I yeah, love the so boys. I think dark. the boys is great. So like the um the guy uh, uh from that did the Walking Dead. Why am I blanking on his name? Is it Kirkman? Oh um, yeah, yeah. Uh, God. he kind of wrote it. Seth yeah. Rogen produced it oh, okay. uh, with his his buddy Evan. Um, they yeah. produced Evan it Washburn. Like he and Evan Washburn produced it. Yeah, <laughs> big recycling um, bins. No, but J.K. Simmons does the voice of the the Love main J. superhero. Um, Stephen Young from uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know Walking Dead. Uh, he he does the voice of his son who's like getting his powers, and then they have all the other. They have like the knockoff superheroes, like the the guy that's supposed to be Batman is named Darkwing. Right, right. You know, like you could see some of the flashes yeah, like red the something. So, it, it, but it's it's very dark, man. And it's, I like dark. Uh, the first episode kind of gets you hooked. Rob, Ro- by the way, Robert Kirkman is is Robert the guy's Kirkman. name. Thank you. So two things. Uh, Kyle convinced me, despite how much I wanted to give up on it, that I should give season three of Shrill a chance. Um, I haven't watched it. It's still not a very good show. It's just really? that it's fine. It's fine. It, it, this is the problem, right? Like I, I, I like what they're trying to do. They just don't really do it. And what they think they're doing. They, here's a real plot point that's an issue. By the way, I'm all for the body positivity thing. I want to make that very clear. I, I think it's a, a good message, and if that's all that comes from it, it's a good thing. But. Like, they do this bit where they really want you to believe that a certain male character on the show is a really bad guy. But all they do to make him a really bad guy is make him a likable guy that her roommate doesn't like. It's That's all they do. They don't put the actual work. But even this season, they tried to. And, like, mm-hmm. it still came off more as just, like, he's kind of a dope than he is a bad guy. He's an airhead. A and, yeah. He's and, a nice guy. And that's the problem. Yeah, he's a, he's a nice you you like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want well for, for him. Sure. And all they want to do is have you believe that he's awful. Like they, they want you to believe that. Every time that... he comes up, all they t- oh oh him. I hear you. Like that's hey, all they do she the entire him. time. I don't think I don't know if that's the vibe I got, but it's, I don't It's bad. Look, man. Shrill's a fine show. I wouldn't like it, it, it's not I'm, on the list of 15 I cannot, shows I would go and I, recommend. I wish that I would have watched Invincible instead of spending you. the time on you the know season what I 3 revisited of Shrill. that was only I had a season run on Comedy Central. Okay. But that deserved a longer run and is absolutely Is it is it Southside because hilarious. I've told you a million times the Southside South was Side's incredible. Great. But it's not Southside. From okay. 2015, it was a show called Big Time in Hollywood, Florida. I vaguely remember this, and I remember thinking it would be something I would like. And it is, when you talk about dark, it is dark. But it is dark in, like, the sunny, surreal, these characters can't truly, like, they're how do these people exist sort of way. And it has some of the 
best celebrity, like real celebrity, like real actor cameos that I've ever seen in any show. And it is laugh out loud All funny right. for the entire All season. Right. I almost want to stop and do play-by-play. There's an old guy walking down Falls Road. Do it. Really short blue shorts. It's not Till, is it? Boys are hanging out the, the bottom. Mustache? So. It's please tell me it's yeah. not. Please tell me it's not Till. How's the please mustache? tell me it's no, not. No, it's not Till. This guy has a big gray beard. He might be mistaken for me, but I mean his shorts are so short and tight. <laughs> uh, like I mean his plums are just falling it? out of the bottom. Oh yeah, no! How's oh, his walk? No. Would you describe it as confident? His walk is stronger than mine. Like, because like, I like, I'm so banged up when I walk. I look like I, I'm, I'm kind of walking like Yosemite Sam. Admittedly, I don't. Um, I've never had a strong walk, so I'm jealous. I'm jealous. This guy's of this walk man. is powerful, and and like I said, his boys are hanging out the bottom of his shorts. Like, but are they the really? Is are they really hanging out the bottom right. of his shorts? Is like, are you yeah, I saw plums. I definitely saw. Plums. Wow. 100%. Wow. Yeah. The audacity of hope. I mean, do you, man? Confidence, do my you, man. You, I right? like it. All right, uh, let's 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 handle the betting side. You made me more money last week, so um, hey hey, do we still need to uh, sell tickets for the Mo dinner? Is that still? Yeah, we're still doing that. I gotta get like I'm getting in touch with them to find out because we want people. It's gonna be a really fun time and, and an amazing meal. And these guys are donating their time to help raise money for Johns Hopkins Children's Center in Mo's name. So and what, the way I'm explaining to people, it's a farm to table dinner, um, and then you got two options, and both options are fantastic. There's drinks. There's gonna be live music. So it's gonna be kind of like a a wedding reception to a degree, um, and just people having fun, eating a good meal. But, and, yeah, but it's not going to be a rubber. Golf. It's not going to be a rubber chicken dinner. It's going to be a legit actual. No, it's legit. Like it's, right. the the meal looks amazing. So um, there's two different dishes that they're offering, and uh, I think I think I, I don't I don't want to speak out of turn what it is. But I thought one was like a, a pork dish, and then there was also like a I think a salmon um, or some sort of fish dish that they were offering. But like I'm talking like. Uh, course meals, like I'm not sure if it's three or four course meals, how they're setting it up, but it's it's amazing. Like even when I heard what the salad was, like you're you're open, like you get this salad to start off. I'm like that sounds so freaking good. Um, so yeah, I'd want people like if you get a chance, it's it's on. Uh, uh, God, what is July twenty fourth, and and yes. it, it, tickets are at Eventbrite. If you just search right now, Eventbrite. That's what I was looking put, for. Put yeah. in your put in your Googler Mo Gabba dinner. It's the first thing that's going to come up. Awesome. All right. So yeah. just, just search Mo Gabby yeah, Dinner I mean, and you can get your tickets. There's going to be a bunch of us there. We're going to have a great time. Um, you know, like I said, it's it's for a good cause. So hopefully we see a bunch of people. I know it's in the, the middle of the summer, but um, but I'm looking forward to it. All right. So here's the deal. I'll This is my promise, right? As long as we don't mm-hmm. lose crazy money in the next two weeks, next week I'm going to buy two tickets to the dinner. I still don't know. If I got to look at my dates and where I'm going to be mm-hmm. if I can go or not. But I'm going to buy two tickets to the dinner with money that we've, we've won from you. Oh, awesome. All right. So that's going to be the plan. I'm looking, of course, Jeremy. Oh, by the way, you got to record a promo for me. Remember to do that. Oh yeah, you said you sent it over, dude. I've just like You're, this I, weekend. Not, I was not, telling everybody. I I actually came home on Friday and fell asleep for four hours. In I, the afternoon. I I believe. It. I'm not mad at you. I'm just I'm just reminding <laughs> you. That's I'm all. a little mad actually. Yeah, Kyle's furious. He's absolutely Sorry, furious. Kyle. With you. I, uh, I also, by the way, I did the thing. I did the thing with Jeremy where I was like, I trust you. You just go wherever you want to go with it. You get to wherever, and it's very yeah. dangerous. It's very dangerous. Oh, um, I'm looking at your plays of the day today at PressBoxOnline.com. Mm-hmm. I hate betting unders. Why are you yep. so convinced that I should bet an under? So I just lost this. It was funny. I, I gave out my tip on Saturday when I wrote the article saying that these lines are, the, the totals are inflated. And there's a reason why they're inflated because everybody wants to bet the overs. But like during the regular season, we've seen these teams go completely up-tempo and just scoring baskets at will. Um, so over the weekend, the overs went, or the unders went, five and three um and that's with an overtime game that didn't even go over the total 
and two other ones that were really close. Uh, the Wizards game ended up turning into a shootout, and I liked the under in it. It was wrong. Um, but the funny thing is, on Saturday, I said, I, I, you know, I kind of liked all the unders, but my top play was Portland-Denver under, and then all the other unders hit, and then that one <laughs> was the one that went over the total. Um, I'm going back to the well because they kind of had a crazy-ass first quarter where they scored like 67 points. And I'm not saying that's not possible, but for Denver to get back in this, they have to slow the game down and not let Portland get out and run. And I think Denver slows it down tonight, and it goes way under the total. So it's my favorite play of the day. So if you're going to make one bet, I would tell you to put it all, whatever you're betting, all on that under. All of it. Um, yeah. And, and I, you know, the more and more I think about it, and this is just – this is me and how my mind works, I would tell you to then take the over in the Miami game. So this game goes to overtime, and it goes way under the total after going to overtime. But if you watched how they played uh, in the initial minute, like the first three minutes they scored like 19 points. And then it went to a standstill where they were just missing shots left and right. I think Milwaukee pushes the tempo in this one, and we get more scoring, and we have Miami chasing them. So I would not be surprised to see Milwaukee, the Bucks win. Um, the four and a half just seems like the right number to me, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Miami win. Like I don't, I hate betting against Jimmy Butler because the guy's just an absolute dog. But I think this game goes over the total. But by far, my favorite play on the day is is that Portland All under. Right, so, um, so would you if we're gonna bet two hundred? I say we bet one. I, I, you tell me because Lord knows this is where this is where the problems start. Well, go ahead, let, let's do it. Let's do what we did before. Put one fifty on the Portland under, and then parlay the that Portland under Miami over for, for 50. fifty. All right, that's done. That's what we're doing. We'll see how that All goes. Right. Uh, that's what we bet. And what are you doing on the Big Bad Morning Show this week, pal? So Rob's back tomorrow after uh, going through hell on his birthday and just drinking his face off. Yeah. And then Ed's back, so we kind of got the full show. Um, you know, ratings just came out, and we're doing extremely well. So it's uh, it's pretty cool to see. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I feel good for you about that. I guess. Oh, thanks, I just, man. Well, yeah. no, there, there, there's still the small part of me that hopes that I can steal you away at some point. And every time you but, tell me that, it's it's just not going to happen. That's the way it is. Uh, but that's awesome. Well, that's awesome to hear. I am genuinely very happy for you about that. No, I appreciate it, man. Uh, at JeremyCon1057 on Twitter is how you follow him. Jeremy, always appreciate you, bud. Love you. We'll talk to you next Monday, all right? Thanks, guys. I'll see you. Jeremy Kahn with us as he is every Monday here on GCR. The bets are in. Uh, 150 on the Portland-Denver under, and then parlayed that for 50 with that parlay to for Miami the, uh, over. For which game? Portland-Denver. 226.5. Uh, yeah, I know. I don't like that at all. I don't like that at all. That's This is the NBA we're talking about. That means that they can't score 115 points. One team can't really score 120. Hey. More or less. Yep, essentially what it means. So we will see. But Jeremy loves it. And he's won me some money recently, so we Time's will. Time's that game? 1140? Uh, what's that? Time's that game? 1140? Uh, that, no, it's 1140. <laughs> what? It's a late one. It is a late one. It's a 905. Yeah, I probably will not know by the time I go to bed. I'll forget that that's what we bet on. Least, you know? Yeah, maybe. But I'll probably forget that's what we bet on, too. And then mm-hmm. it'll go that way. All right. Um, let me respond to a couple things really quickly. By the way, today's show from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. It's also brought to you by the Stan the Fan Variety Hour. Of course, Stan the Fan and Ross Grimsley every Monday are talking baseball with you. They do it before uh, the Orioles games. Tonight, Mike Bordick joins them. He was. Um, I, I'm going to guess that Mike and Ross share some similar feelings about certain topics. Just a guess that I have. But Mike Bordick will be on with Stan and Ross tonight uh, ahead of the Orioles game. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. You'll be able to catch it tomorrow. PressBoxOnline.com if you miss it live. 
All of Stan's show is brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 to get roof and siding repairs for just the cost of your home insurance deductible. Right now, 410-401-9797 or C3America.com for a free analysis. From uh, Brian Powell asked what I thought about Bino Ranson leaving Maryland for DePaul. It is a bummer on the recruiting front for sure. First of all, two things. Full disclosure, I think a lot of people know I like Bino. Bino and I have been very friendly over the years. Um, In fact, when Bino was trying to get the Maryland job originally with Gary, he was a very awkward bit where he called me and said, hey, man, can you help? I said, Bino, you're friends with Juan Dixon. What do you think I'm going to do for you that somebody else can't do for you to try to get this job? He's like, I like you. I like you a lot. I think that uh, Maryland would do well to hire you, but... No, I cannot help you in trying to get this job. Um, then he called me, and I was like, "Sure, yeah, right." It's, you know, I, I got you, I got you, man. Um, I like Bino. He's done a great job in recruiting. He has obviously, in particular, made some inroads uh, here locally that led Maryland to getting Jalen Smith. Um, I, Bino is a beloved figure. He is a likable guy that is extraordinarily relevant in local circles. It's it's Godfather-ish. You bring up I, I I've told the story before. One day, I happened to be at Towson Town Center doing some uh, Christmas shopping, uh, as I like to do on December twenty second, and uh, Bino very similarly was there doing some Christmas shopping on December twenty second, and I proceeded to watch. We was, we walked around together for a little while, just chatting, and I proceeded to watch no fewer than like a hundred kids approach Bino while we were there because he means that much to this community. Um, it's why the image um, last year when Maryland went and won at Minnesota and Daryl Morcell hit that three, and then he came back to the sideline and Bino kissed him, it really meant a lot to me because it was a story of two. I mean, Bino went to, like, southern New Hampshire. Bino was not a guy whose success was ever set in stone. He is a remarkable Baltimore success story. Chester Frazier is a good comparison. Um, so it was always cool that Bino was here and that he was working to get kids here. And it wasn't just Baltimore. I mean, he really was the reason Diamond Stone came to the University of Maryland some years ago. Um, you know, the guys that are coming uh, next year, like Julian Reese, Ike Cornish, Baltimore guys, really responsible for getting those guys here. Um, he was very involved in Eric Ayala. He was very significant with Justin Jackson, who became a very solid player at Maryland. Bino, if I'm being completely honest, Bino is not the development guy um, necessarily. He's and then I'd say he can't do it. It's just not his Forte. strength. Um, he's he's not specifically the coach that that everybody says that's how I got better. That's how I became a different player during my time at Maryland is because the work that I did with Bino. He's not the coach that's going to run your practice necessarily either. Not to say, again, that he can't. He's just not likely to be that guy that's running a practice. I I think it hurts Maryland to lose Bino Ranson. I, I mean, I, I do. I think it hurts them. I think that they're going to have to prioritize trying to find someone and spending. And this is the problem, Maryland. It's... Are you willing to spend the necessary money on an assistant coach? And the answer has more often than not been no. So I bring up the name Chester Frazier, who's at Illinois right now, would be an ideal choice to bring in to add to the staff. 
but you'd have to really pay a guy and give him a certain title in order to pry him away mm-hmm. from a job that he has Which right is, now. It you know, would have probably just been easier to keep Bino in that game. Exactly right. So that's where I think it hurts. I, I, I do. I think it hurts. Um, I It's a bummer. I, I don't want to make be overdramatic about it. I think that Maryland, I mean, frankly, let's, if we're being fair, how much success has Maryland had with Bino Ranson on their staff? So I can't, I can't, you know, make it seem like it's the end of the world, but it's a bummer, and and I'm 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 happy for Bino because I like Bino, and he's a Baltimore guy, and he's a great success story. But I'm bummed that it won't be at Maryland moving forward. That that sucks. It sucks that Bino Ranson is leaving the Maryland staff. Um, John from Little Rock says apparently they don't even have recycling picked up every week in Arkansas. That I don't know how that's possible. Like, seems I, tough. It would be it would be overwhelming here if that would be. By the way, there is other news with Maryland that they are officially announcing the plan to have full capacity. Which, given everything else we've learned, yes, of course they would. Um, he, what else? Somebody uh, did it. Uh, John, the other John, I believe this is John from Glenarm. Uh, based on what is rumored to be the cost, it's not worth it for Julio Jones. I don't know how so. I, I don't get that. Rumor, the, what do you mean, what is rumored to be the cost? The second-round pick is too expensive for I mean, you. What, I don't know what you expect ever to find a, what a great receiver. What in the world are you know? we doing? Yeah. Even if it's – I said I would have I just done it for a late first-round pick in a year where you had two first-round picks. It was easy for me to say. I knew what the pick was. I knew that it was literally the back end of the first round. Would I trade next year's first round pick for Julio Jones? Probably not, because there's the scenario, as I knock on wood, that Lamar Jackson gets hurt, and suddenly your first round pick next year is like a, a, a top 12 pick. I wouldn't do that. But when I knew it was literally the back end of the first round, the 31st pick in the draft, I would have, if that's what it required to just get it done, I just would have done it. I would have said, yeah, I'll just do it. To not give up a second round, I don't, I don't, I don't get that at all. I would give up a second round pick and more if that's what it cost. Jeff Zrebeck put out like hypothetically, what if it was a second, a fourth, and Miles Boykin? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a lot. I get it. It's a lot. No, it's not that much. I mean, it is a second and fourth I, round pick it's leaves you. It leaves you with two. <clears throat> They've got a lot of picks next year. Potentially, yes. I get it. Like, these guys still have to play. They still have to, you know, we have to see how that works out with Judon and Inga- and they're losing one with Sammy Watkins. Um, they should have more picks next year, but you know, you still have to get them. I hear you. I'm, I'm. It's not. It's a lot. But would I do it? Yeah, I would do it. I can't. I just can't fathom thinking this is too overwhelming. Grab a break. We'll come back in. We'll wrap it up. Tidbit tubular to end the day. It's Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. This is how you get a premium cup of coffee. Better and faster than the drip, drip, drip method. And way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when. At Royal Farms, our new Swiss-made coffee machines grind fresh premium beans on the spot and then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce silver anniversary New York strip steak, the smoky thigh wings, a double bacon and cheddar burger, the strip steak sandwich, barbecue chicken bowl, and their silver anniversary turtle cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's silver anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online, win a trip to Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. When it comes to cost and quality, Window Nation has you covered, saving you thousands more on your windows compared to national brands while providing the same, if not better, quality. Want detail? Window Nation measures each window three times to ensure proper fit, and after they install your new windows, they leave your home cleaner than it was before. Get 50% off every style window plus put no money down make no payments and pay no interest for 24 months 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com tell them glenn clark sent you window nation the perfect fit the biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common you've heard them on jobbing out matt and nick jackson the young bucks thanks for having us man Appreciate it. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Let's have you Chris Jericho, Le Champion, AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Tweet us at Glenn Clark Radio, 21st Century Talk Radio at GlennClarkRadio.com. Glenn Clark Radio. Mobile One Full Synthetic Motor Oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. Back in here from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Let's wind down for the day. We'll get a tidbit. Tidbit of the day is brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. Oh, boy, it is the perfect time, right? Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4 available in hybrid or gas-only models. Hybrid sounds really interesting to me. 
A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Yeah, that's that's you. So, yeah. Julio Jones, yes. hot topic of discussion Remains. here in Baltimore. And well, it's for good reason, of course. He's not just great, but the Ravens' history at receiver, well, has not been. Of course, we know that, but born out in statistics, always fun. A top 12 performance in fantasy football would denote one as a wide receiver one. Obviously, fantasy football is not real football, but the productive players in fantasy football are generally pretty good football players. The Ravens, in the past five, or excuse me, four years, have had a total of five performances that would qualify as a wide receiver one game. So only five times in the last four years has a Ravens wide receiver put up a top 12 statistical performance in a given week. For reference... You mean just yards alone? or It could be yards and a touchdown or whatever. You know, obviously touchdowns are worth six points, so it's imperfect. So it's you not mean for, it's fan- fantasy for fantasy football points. specific. Okay, yes. yes. So for reference, there yes. are 13 wide receivers that had five or more wide receiver one performances just last year. The Ravens are lagging in that department. Now, their offense isn't necessarily conducive to a lot of those performances, we understand. And it's also worth mentioning that Marquise Brown has had just about the best streak of any wide receiver for production in fantasy football in a certain regard considering that he's had something like, you know, only Christian McCaffrey has had more consistent or in like 12 in a row performances putting up at least double-digit points. So Marquise Brown's been good. Okay. But Julio Jones, obviously a little bit different in that regard. Okay. The Ravens, according to Bet Online at AG, or .ag, whatever you want to call it, are currently tied as the favorites to acquire Julio Jones services there, plus 300 alongside the Patriots and just ahead of the 49ers. So, all good information. Sure. Unrelated to the tidbit. Do you know who has the biggest fantasy day in Ravens history? The biggest fantasy day in Ravens history. is If we use standard PPR scoring. Standard PPR scoring. I mean, standard PPR would take out, I feel like, Torrey Smith's debut in the Rams where he had three touchdowns on 150. Torrey Smith had 39 points that day, which is the seventh highest in Ravens history. So then the highest would be, is it someone weird and you wouldn't expect? Uh, It's not as weird as, say, number two on the list. It would be... I'm forgetting, it's just a crazy game. I don't know. Who is it? It was six catches. Just six catches. Yeah. 258 yards and three touchdowns. For who? In 1999, Kadri Ismail against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And in uh, in the third quarter alone, he had four for 220 and all three touchdowns. How about that. Yeah. So. 49 points. Different sport, but we like Ryan Mountcastle hitting grand slams. Mm-hmm. Always fun. Sure. He... Became the first Orioles rookie to hit a grand slam since who? Oh, my God. I have no idea. First Orioles rookie to hit a grand slam since Trey Mancini. No. Uh, since Manny Machado. No. Uh, 
Since Jonathan Scope. No. Since. Since. Uh, you want to give me a, a time frame? In the last decade. In the last decade. First Orioles rookie to hit a grand slam. Since. Uh, Matt Wieters. That wasn't the last decade. Not Matt Wieters. Uh, um, since. In the last decade. Well, not as many rookies were playing. Uh, for a little while there. Is somebody I? It's it's somebody right? It's Chance Cisco. It's not. It's it's a rookie that played. It's um. It's uh, Cedric Mullins. It is not. It's it's Stevie Wilkerson. It is not. It's hotter or colder. Probably more of a Wilkerson than a Mullins. Uh, there, I was thinking time-wise, not really. Oh, uh, yeah. Know. Well, I guess hotter. Hotter? What? When was Wilkerson a rookie? I don't know. Was he even a rookie with the Orioles? I have no idea. I gotta be honest with you. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you. There was a Yankee before. Wasn't was he really? He might, he might be right about that. What, was it closer to now or closer to the beginning of the decade? Is really what I'm asking. Closer to the beginning of the decade. Beginning of the decade. Hey, uh, rookies around that time. Rookies around that. Time. Oh, Hyunsoo Kim. No. Nyun. Felt really good about that one. I thought mm. I had deciphered this, this riddle that you had given me. Rookies in the early part of the decade. Rookies in the early part of the decade. It was Xavier Avery. No. That's quite a pull, but no. I don't even know if it was the early part of the decade. I'm going to be honest with you. I couldn't tell you. LJ Hose. No, another good pull, but no. These hoes ain't loyal, you know. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I don't know. Flaherty? None no, other, really? None other than the man, the myth, the wow. legend. Wow. Ryan Flaherty on September twenty eighth of two thousand twelve against right. the Boston Red Good Sox. Good for Ryan Flaherty. He was a Red Sox killer, that guy. Yeah, something like that. He uh, was. It's fine. Tidbit was also brought to you today by Window Nation, where right now, unbelievable deal they've got for you: fifty percent off all styles of windows, plus no money down, no payments, and no interest for twenty four months. 866-90NATION or windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you Window Nation, the perfect fit. Tubular brought to you by the print issue of Pressbox. It's available for free right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms and at the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. John Means is on the cover. You can also read it at pressboxonline.com. Here's what's coming up tonight. Totally tubular. John Means, the Orioles' one pitcher, gets to pitch. Uh, as they open up a series of twins, 740 on Masson. Matt Shoemaker goes for Minnesota. ESPN Cardinals, White Sox, 8. Rays, Blue Jays, 1 on MLB Network. Then uh, Mariners Athletics joined in progress. TNT, Heat Bucks, Game 2 at 730. Blazers, Nuggets, Game 2 at 10. NBCSN, Islanders, Penguins, Game 5 at 7. Oilers, Jets, Game 4 at 945. CNBC, Lightning Panthers, Game 5 at 8. Wild Golden Knights, Game 5, 1030. NHL Network, Maple Leafs, Canadiens, Game 3 at 7. The USA Network, WWE, Monday Night Raw at 8. Any non-sports highlights worthy of mentioning? Um, 
If anyone watches HBO's In Treatment, that continues at 9 o'clock tonight. He's a good doctor. Good doctor. 10 o'clock. Stuff and things. Check it all out. I have a buddy who's going up to New York. He's so obsessed with the Foo Fighters. He's going to New York tonight because Dave Grohl is a a sit-down guest on the Fallon Show. Well, if you're interested, check that out. I'm like 11:35 on NBC. I'm like, wow, dude. He's like, he's like, look, I know, it, like, apparently he's got uh, oh, his boss's bosses in New York too, so he's gonna have lunch with him while he's up there, and they're gonna try to make a day out of it. But I'm like, whoa, bro. Yeah. He's like, I know somebody works at Fallon, got me in. I'm like, okay, man, all right, that's that is bold. Uh, Tubular also brought to you by KNS Automotive right here in Hamden. For over 40 years, KNS Automotive has been restoring, repairing, and maintaining foreign and domestic vehicles with a focus on exceptional workmanship, quality customer service, everything from oil changes to major body work. Call KNS now, 410-235-6660. Go to knsimports.com. It's KNS Automotive, knsimports.com. Thanks today to Jeremy Kahn. Thanks to Fred Funk and to Evan Washburn. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the tab at glennclarkradio.com. Tomorrow... Um, hoping to take a trip to Bowie. Okay. Um, irons and fire stuff. And great, things. awesome. That's what we got for you. It's what it is. Thanks to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners: the U.S. Army, Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, Royal Farms, Chesapeake Employers Insurance, Exxon Mobil, KNS Automotive, C3 American Exteriors, Great Eights Memorabilia, Bradley, Nikki Bozeman Foundation, your local Toyota dealer, BuyAToyota.com. Thanks to Kyle Ottenheimer, Sad Lonely Man. Follow him on Twitter at kottenheimer. Follow us at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Go Birds. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.